0: Love Talk Radio But one of them Cried out to him Oh Lord Remember me
1: the
2: Lord was crucified, the mob stood round about him, and they mocked him until he died, and there were two be Hanging out beside him just to share the
3: agony.
2: But one of them, one of them, cried out to him, Whoa, remember me. Whoa! shame the feeling out there on that old rugged crawl. But such a death was needed just to rescue all of us. That was all.
1: Yeah.
2: His way a break
1: them.
2: Hallelujah. Just a bit. The canopy of free. I know. I know. Oh, that I'm going he to hey. I, I
1: know God
2: will. Remember me. Oh. oh, oh, oh. What a shame to kill him Oh, I found that old rugged cross But such a death, such a death It was needed, yes it was To rescue all of us that was lost yeah, God lost is made a rap just oh, captain Seth. The captain free I know
4: For your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with
1: Barbara.
0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Miss Abertina Walker, this morning, will God remember me? I know he will. Hallelujah. He will remember us when we get to go, when we are leaving here. Hallelujah. So we're grateful unto Almighty God for another Wednesday morning, and uh, we thank him for today. He woke us up, closing our right minds. We have the use and activity of our limbs, life, health, and strength. And I want to apologize for yesterday because I was very busy, very busy. And uh, I'm getting the Fourth Sunday Fellowship together for June the 25th and uh, a number of other things. But nonetheless, God blessed us to get through the book of Exodus. And uh, we're going to start, hopefully on Monday, the book of Genesis. So today I'm bringing three different testimonies uh, that we can take a listen to. And when we hear testimonies, it just, just remind us of who God is, what he said he would do what he has done, and what we have the faith to believe he's going to do for us. Our testimonies may not be the same, but it's the same God that we're depending on, that we're trusting, that we have faith in, that we have patience waiting on him. It's that same God. And so we thank him this morning. We give him glory, honor, and praise. Hallelujah. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host. Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today is June the 7th, 2023, and I'm grateful unto him. I um, was supposed to have an appointment on Monday uh, for the niece to go see the one and only Maximilian but I wasn't able to go on Monday, so they rescheduled me for today. And so I'll go today and let Max do what he's got to do for both needs. And uh, usually when I walk out of there, I'm walking straight, you know, I have no pain, and it's feeling better. So I go get that done done today so I can do more and uh, go out and put, you know, flyers out at churches for the Fourth Sunday Fellowship. Right now we have quite a few churches that um, said they would, you know, come, they would attend, and that is a beautiful thing. And if you've never been to uh, one of Freedom Doors' ministries, Fourth Sunday Fellowship, it's an experience for you. It is a great godly experience. Yeah. We have preachers from all over, we have uh musicians that come in, my pastor will be there, uh and the church, uh I can will be there uh, to support and uh he's a backup for me. So when another preacher don't show up, he step up for me and he brings the message. And uh what I tell you it's a great, great godly experience to hear this man bring forth the word of God. Oh my goodness, sighting. Yeah, he don't hoop, he don't hoop. He just stand flat feet and preach that word. He teach and preach it. And most people say who is that? <laughs> and I'm proud to say that is my pastor Bishop Doze of Divine Truth. And the Divine Truth uh, and deliverance ministry because they have a deliverance ministry and uh, our altar call. All my, he and his wife they work together on that altar. It's just a beautiful thing. Also, um, there's a male group out of Atlantic Beach, and they they are coming to sing for us. And uh, my grandsons, they're musicians and singers, and they will come and. Uh, Render a couple of selections. It, it, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful spiritual experience. Uh, if you've never attended that Fourth Sunday Fellowship, and you can get there June the 25th of 2023, you won't be disappointed. Hallelujah. So we thank God. I'm excited. And I got a lot done yesterday. I got one phone call I'm waiting for. And once I get that phone call, my work is completed. All I have to do is show up on June 25th. God is faithful. And it wasn't that hard this go around. It was very easy. And so next month we do it again, the fourth Sunday in July. And there will be uh, different churches there, more churches but different than this month. And that's what I do. I invite different churches and we come together. This pastor get to meet that pastor. And If they have an anniversary or something, you know, you can send out your invitations. They'll remember you and come and support your anniversary or whatever it is you're doing over at your church. Revival, you know, whatever. Because usually they have a different speaker here when we have revival. And we have a three-night revival and we have three different speakers. Sometimes, depending on where I'm going, it may be a three-night revival and I do all three nights. But it just depends, again on how God is moving and what he said to do. So I'm, I'm excited. I thank him, thank him, thank him for all he has done in my life. Yes, Brother Louis. yes, yes. That's what he'll do today. <laughs> he will pop me, pop, pop. And I feel nothing. When he hit the first knee, you feel nothing. He hit the second knee, you feel nothing. You just stretch your legs out, stretch them back in, stretch your legs out, stretch them back. Now you get up and walk. Yeah, and I skipped across the room. <laughs> yeah, Maximilian is the one. Yes, he is. All right, so listen, we're going to one more request of the morning, and when we come back, we are coming back with our morning prayer. And uh, after morning prayer, a few more words of encouragement, and then we're going to take a listen to three different testimonies. And look, if you, you forgot the five hundred dollars if you can, just uh, plant what you can when you can, and that's all right. It's all right. Yeah, because I'm still working on that as well. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Let's go to the next song. we thank you this morning. We come before you with thanksgiving in our mouth and our minds and our hearts. Unto you for you alone are worthy. We thank you for this day for waking us up. Thank you for being clothed in our right mind. A mind to remember you. A mind to remember your son Jesus. A mind to remember what you've done, what you're doing right now and what you're going to do. Father, we thank you for a mind this morning to remember, to seek your face, to turn from our wicked ways so that you can hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal the land. Father, America needs a great healing. And we thank you this morning for considering us as your people. We thank you this morning for being on our side in spite of us, for looking beyond our fault and yet meeting need. Oh, we're grateful unto you this morning. We appreciate you And, Father, we love you. Oh, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your love towards us, your grace and your mercy. And, Father, we come bow down this morning asking that you would remember every caller and every listener, those coming through the podcast and the archives. Father, we ask that you would move for every household represented here. Ask that your spirit would come in and come through each home. And, Lord, whatever needs fixing today we ask that you would fix it, because if you fix it, it can't be broken. Father, we give you glory for it. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah. And we reverence you, almighty God, Jehovah, that have all power. There is no higher power. We come this morning seeking your face. We come this morning leaning and depending on you, trusting you today, that God, you will work everything out for us. That you would draw us ever closer. And that, Father, as we lift you up, you would draw men unto you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for what you've done already. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for what you're going to do. Father, we ask this morning that in these memories that, God, you would strengthen us in our ministry, that you called or chose us for, or called and chose us. Lord, you called us to do something. You saved us for the vineyard, for the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. We ask you this morning, send more labors, Father, but remember the labor that you called and chose us to do. Stir up the gifts in us that, Father, we'll work unto you while it's day. Night is coming and no man can see. We thank you this morning, not only for hearing, but we thank you for answering. Father, the world is in need of you. They've turned their back on you. Father, they put their own plan into action, which will only bring destruction. Because without you, we can do nothing. Without you, it won't be successful. Without you, it can't last. So we come lifting up the leadership of every country this morning, even our enemies. Father, have mercy this morning in the name of Jesus. Fix their hearts and regulate their minds. That God, it will end up with a mind to come to you wholeheartedly in the name of Jesus. Those that are in the church, those that go to church, those that say they're the church, Lord, have mercy this morning and help us all to gird up the loins of our hearts and minds in your Word. And in you today, in the name of Jesus, help us be word-walking, word-speaking, word-living people, your word, hallelujah, according to your will. And Lord, we know that no one can do it except you draw. And we are asking you to draw us all unto you this morning, that we'll be an obedient people, not a stiff-necked people, but an obedient people unto you. In the name of Jesus. Help us today. Help us today. And Father, we bring children before you this morning, and especially children of the members of household of faith. Lord, we ask this morning that, God, you would give those parents every word and every action, every deed that they need to take to protect their children. And, Lord, if it means removing children from school, God, do it today in the name of Jesus ever all this evil come from that's against children. Father, we bind it up and cast it to the pits of hell, never to return again. And we ask that you would rebuke it for our sake today and every parent's sake. They want to keep their children safe and sound with a sound mind in the name of Jesus. And Father, those leaders that have agreed and put all of this together, Lord, we ask that you would have mercy on them. Fix their hearts and regulate their minds that they have come to you. Because it all started from the head. And this thing has gone too far. But Lord, we know that you have a way to cut it off. You have a way to stop it in its tracks and reverse it if it be your will. But Father, many times you won't come against man's will. And when parents support the devil, when leadership support the enemy, God, all we can do is ask you to cover our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, for those who want you and want the children to have a sound mind again this morning, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would help us all, because at an early age, they're putting children into politics. And parents must train their children in the way that they should go. So help those parents, God. Strengthen them and bless them. That's teaching their children about you and your ways. Teaching their children about your son, Jesus, the best that they can in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, your word said the world wouldn't get wicked and wiser, than it has. But you're almighty God that have all power. And, Father, there's no higher power. The earth is yours. The fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And, Father, we say have your way. Move the way you want to move in this earth. We say let your will be done and strengthen us all as your will is being done. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, every caller and every listener. Bless every family member, every friend. Open doors and make ways. Move by your spirit for these your people in the name of Jesus. Bless this faithful few, God. They come every morning faithfully to hear what the Spirit have to say to the church. Even those that don't come for that reason, they come to know what's going on or to find fault or whatever. We ask that you would bless them. Move for them and their families in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would give us a heart and mind to lift you up like never before. Well, Father, we believe that you're not, it's not coming, but it's already done. It's already here. We step out in faith, believe in you. We step out in trust, trust in you. We have patience and we're waiting on you. We can't do nothing until you come. Move by your spirit again this morning. And all that we expect and all that we're doing and all that we think, you move, Father. Don't let us do nothing. Because what man does is messes up everything. But, Lord, you know what's best for us this morning. Oh, do it for your glory. Hallelujah. Do it for your name's sake today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, his majesty, for hearing and answering our prayers. Father, we ask this morning that you would bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here. Let somebody be delivered. Let somebody be drawn to you that hear this. In the name of Jesus. We need you, Lord. Can't make it. Can't make it without you. You said asking it'll be given, seeking we'll find, knocking the door will be open unto us. We're coming asking you, we're seeking you, we're knocking on your door. We can't do it on our own. Fix the hearts and minds of your people today in the name of Jesus. We thank you, we thank you. We give you glory, we give you the honor. And Father, we give you the praise. We ask it all again in Jesus' name and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Because we need to keep children covered. Because the enemy is after children. If he get children, there will be no tomorrow. There will be no future. (laughs) Yeah. that, that There will be no races to run because nobody can bring four children. As soon as children come, they destroy them, even babies. And I heard where this foolishness come from. And I could not believe people would allow two men to try and destroy the world. Because that's what they were trying to do. Because if you destroy children, you're destroying people. Get old and die. Who, Who will replace them if there are no children? if nobody's having children, because they can't. Two men can't have children, I promise. Two women together can't have children. It's got to be opposite. And when we look in the book of Genesis, we'll get to see man and woman that he made And everything was just fine, and then all of a sudden, The enemy snatched the minds of the people and told them, this is what you want to do. They're not hearing you. They don't respect you. They hate you. Now, show them what you're working with, and they come out to do it. But as the songwriter wrote the words, I have a feeling for us, for the people of God, everything (laughs) is going to be all right. Do you hear what I say? I don't care what they do and how they do it. Yeah, famine, whatever. If you truly belong to him, he will provide. He will take care of you if he has to send you somewhere else or send somebody to you. He's not a lying God. And if we learn how to lean and depend on him, we'll find out if we trust him, he will provide. Whatever your need is. But you must learn to. Learn and de- de- learn how to depend on Jesus. Learn how to trust him. Yeah. And it's already all right in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what it does, Brother Louis. It feels the uh, the emptiness where the cartilage is gone and where bone rubbing bone and that kind of thing. And sometimes there's a big bruise or whatever and it helps that. Yeah, so that You have cushion in your knees, cartilage again in your knees. Yes, sir. Yeah, so we're moving right along this morning, and uh, we thank God again for another day. Thank Him for all He has done, what He's doing right now, and what He's going to do great again this morning. And mighty things. Hallelujah. Listen, we're going in with our first testimony of the morning. And... uh,
4: Let's take a listen. I ended up coming to, coming to the conversation where it was just like a wage for my soul. Like pretty much Satan was like, I can do something. To, you know, I can actually give you something that no one else can give you. It was pretty much, pretty much asking me, like, look, I can work with you. You can work with me. I'll give you what you want and you give me what you want. And eventually I ended up going in. Um, and then I ended up pretty much saying yes. Yeah, I'll work with you. I literally felt something leave from my body. At that point, I thought everything was started. here. So, thank you so much for having us here at Echo Church. Um, why don't you just give us a bit of intro on who you are, where you're from? Hey guys, I'm Jay Shield. Um, I'm 22 years old. I'm part of the key team here at Echo Church, so I'm full-time in ministry. I've been saved for about four years of my life, um, so this will be my fourth at the moment. I um, started when I was 18, so i um, just... Later in my eighteen, so I was almost nineteen. Um, I grew up in a church with um, with my mum. Um, probably we'd only really go to like big events and sometimes before my great grandmother passed away used to kind of go a bit more regularly. I don't remember too much you know running around Sunday school I didn't really I remember like a few of the leaders back then but I was still really too young to understand who Jesus really was at that time. Um, both my sisters went there as well it was just me my whole family just other than my dad because my dad's a Hindu but other than that there was only I think a couple of years where I really remember going to church um, while I was young. Look having um a mum that was Christian, um and a dad that was Hindu, it was always really a lot of tension at home. Um, I think that's one thing that they kinda they let they just kinda decided on me to just make sure that he decides who, you know, who he really wants to follow when it comes to, you know, the religious part in life. But um as I grew up I couldn't um it's one thing that kind of made me drift away from home and then you know leading down to that that I think the biggest pivotal point finding new friends really outside of school and then after I found these friends, I saw you know pure hearts in these people of like you know who they wanted to be and what they wanted to do, but by hand or doing something completely different and then from there, I kind of stuck with them because you know I kind of fell into the trap I was like, oh, you know what I can probably help these people. Um, you know I could help these people become bigger and better and actually you know achieve their dreams and goals. And like my dreams, my aspirations kind of lined up with, um, with them as well. So look, I tried um, I tried doing that and I ended up being more like them. <laughs> Not saying they're all completely bad people, but um, look, one of them's in jail and has been in jail since... Um, I think I've been like I think 17 um, Another's doing quite well business-wise and I've got another person who's a bit more lost in life as well out um, of that friend group that I was in um, and they still don't know Jesus at the end of the day. I think being in that friend group it kind of led me down that pathway of selling drugs, allowed me to be a drug dealer, um, allowed me to get addicted to drugs by, by the time I was 17 um, and through that I think That was my pivotal point, just I think understanding that I didn't know who I was, just to try and live my life out somewhere else, because I couldn't really find you know, peace at home, so I tried to go out. That was um, what kind of made me go towards my friends, and then from there led me down to my addiction, and then led me down to... Everything else, I kind of didn't laugh. When I was one of my cousin's 18th birthdays, and we just I went to go get smokes or something from the service station, and then when we were going there, we were just running a mark on the road. And eventually, the police officers came by, and they just wanted to just, just talk to us. As soon as I saw them, they told us to wait. I just ran. <laughs> I ran. I tried to had had like a weapon on me. I had um, drugs on me as well, so I quickly tried to take everything out. But when I did, by the time they I tried to get everything out, they got me. Um, and then from there, I ended up going to court a few months down the track. Um, so they took me over to an overnight cell. Um, so I stayed there and then I ended up getting out the same night. Honestly, I walked out of the court you know, I watched my mum cry in court with me, um, realising what I've done for my life and how much I've actually destroyed my life. And I didn't really realise that at that point. I um, I walked out of the court like, almost almost laughing and realising, like, you know what, if this is how my life is going to be, I'm just going to do ten times worse. And I ended up going more more down the path of selling drugs, end up selling more drugs, more dangerous drugs as well. My heart was slowly going as well of me, you know, trying to do something good in this world. The group that I was with, um, like, honestly I looked at them, um, from like an outside sometimes and I like I remember listening to the music and um then, you know, go out to like random studios and stuff and they start recording and I saw how gifted these people were and I saw I'm like, you know what? Like I don't see this anywhere else, especially new from where we are in Campbelltown. I'm like there's something that you guys have that I don't see anywhere else and I see that you guys can really do like you can really change the world if all of us actually came together and actually did this right I feel like this this could be it one of um, the core people of the group ended up getting locked up um, um, ended up selling drugs went undercover and then from there the group kind of disbanded a little bit Um, we weren't as strong as we were before having him gone we kind of just like what do we do kind of I think we all tried to cope with it, that was the one thing for the first couple of months, like oh, what do we do without him? Um, and then from there I think everyone just kind of went their own little path. I thought that was going to be where I was going to be at the end of the day. I really loved music growing up. The importance of music as well. I saw the importance of how it can actually affect someone's life. And I saw, you know, they all might, might be rapping about certain things, but at the end of the day, I really thought that if you could really place like a message in someone's heart that could actually change them from inside out, I feel like you know that's actually something I could probably do. And with you know the group that we have, with the talent that you, these people had, and like they're so hardworking with everything they do, and some of them still are. You know, the person I've got a friend that's you know running a business and he's so working but he's just. On the other side, <laughs> he's just doing it for the wrong side, and it hurts me to see that something you know someone that much like like wisdom and gift like and talent that's placed up on his life is just going in the opposite direction. And how much he could actually build something else. Um, but that really tied in into you know me wanting to become someone to kind of change this world you know the idea of having a you know, rapper of friends you know people who wanted to make music people who producing as well um, we'll always high though. <laughs> every time you know we'd end up you know freestyling or something together as a group we are always you know sitting there playing games or something all together we end up being like some random people not random people's houses but you we know, are being like kind of like drugged up houses sometimes and just all kind of stick together in one place i had a bit more i think i was a bit more spiritual compared to the rest of the group um, Having you know a Hindu dad and you know a Christian mum, the spiritual aspect of my life was always connected to me. Um, you know, understanding that there is a God and there is you know, spirit to this as well. Like I was pretty agnostic. I definitely knew that there was a God out there, um, and I think as you know I was dealing myself with drugs and you know all these things. I could I knew personally that drugs are a gateway to spiritual. Um, things as well so I think I kind of used it at the same time a little bit I kind of was like you know what I can feel more you know I can you know when you're you know your senses are a bit higher when you're high or you know I took a bit of LSD and stuff as well so I could it really opened me up into a spiritual sense I was actually out one night with a few friends and like i was always you know that one person if i was on drugs i'd actually be the other person helping everyone else out so i ended up just, i think just taking too much drugs this one this one night and um had like lsd had um had mdma um I was having like co2 i was just like it's going crazy um and i think eventually i ended up I ended up going in loops um i ended up going out uh, I to a person and I'm like um, asking them a question, and then like I think five minutes later, I do the same thing, and me consciously not knowing, and then as soon as I asked that last question, I'm like, what the heck is happening? And like I literally lost myself. I lost myself that whole night, and um, I was like, I actually I couldn't control what I was doing. Um, I was like, whoa. I have a also have like a, from my mom's side, I've got an uncle that's been locked up for almost half his life. Um, and an uncle that's pretty much, you know, drug addicted. Um, And and in that point in my life, I was just like, you know what, I I could really end up in two places in my life, like just, you know, just like my uncles. I was like, I can't, I can't be like this. And I really came down onto my knees at that party and I literally cried out, I actually cried out to God at this party. Um, This was actually before I was saved as well. So I cried out because knowing that there is a God, I'm like, God, just please help me. I know you're out there. I'm just looking around and like that high, like I see the trees like moving like crazy around me. Just looking out, just into the sky. I'm like, God, please. I'm like, I just, I please just help me. Uh a good like 20 minutes later, I was fine. Like I obviously still didn't know God at that time, and you know, um, the idea of me being like addicted and stuff they just got me back into you know, the rhythm of just go, go and party instead and not actually realising that God literally just picked me up um, and helped me from what I was going through. But yeah, it helped, like, you know, the LSD, the drugs of all these things opened me spiritually and made me understand things, you know, that I would be able to understand, you know, off, off drugs normally. Um, so it opened my mind a lot. I, I think that, that was one of the main parts of my life where I completely changed as well. The fact that I wasn't able to control myself in my, in my own mind um, and I wasn't able to control my mind in the sense where it got to a point where I lost myself. That really um, played on me a lot. I was like, I couldn't couldn't believe that I ended up reaching to a place like that um, in my life. So, so crazy that I didn't, you know, choose to follow God after that. But like, look, I was surrounded by the wrong people as well. I didn't really have the holy spirit pick me up um as i did you know as i got saved so i didn't really understand where to go from there as well i was still you know in temples and stuff you know with my dad's trying to figure out things religiously where do i go who's the real god like i obviously started searching things up kind of went into new age a little bit like meditation and Buddhism it gives you a sense of peace but it doesn't actually give you the peace that god ends up giving you um the idea you know of you know calming yourself or you know controlling your mind like look god's place um his spirit, you know, and all these things, I've, I I tried all these things, all these different things, you know, just to try and figure out what's the right thing, try to, you know, reach spiritual enlightenment of, of what people can, you know, that's what the Buddhists and the Hindus actually believe, and so I tried, and um, I actually got in a bit of crystals, actually, a little bit, kind of threw me off a little bit, I think eventually I was like, how the heck would this rock give me something? <laughs> uh, yeah, after, after a little bit I like, a bit stupid but look. <laughs> um, so I ended up going to Hinduism, started asking my dad much like, more questions, oh, can you take me to the temple? I think I went towards more of like the religions. I had more of a foundation instead of something that just really popped up, especially it's written really new now nowadays. So I went down to, you know, going down to my dad. Like I grew up, you know, being around my dad and doing things around the house of how he ended up praying out of idols around the house and um, things like that. But I never understood the root of Hinduism. Um, still to this day, like I understand like the basics of it, but like the things that he does around doesn't really make sense to me sometimes. Still, but um, so end up I end up taking to a temple, and there was like a teacher there, and the teacher would like end up teaching me, like you know some yoga. Um, these meditation practices would end up leading to something like a spiritual awakening called, uh, I think it's called the Kundalini, um, and from there she's like once once you've done that you know you've reached <laughs> spiritual enlightenment and that's pretty much it. and then you'll know I had the open idea of reincarnation for my dad um, as he believes in it as well I tried meditating and like it's so such a so real experience you know being in a temple and you know having someone there a bunch of other people and actually wanting to learn like a spiritual practice and like you know I felt things like, like I, I saw things you know as you close your mind you can picture things and I saw like yeah I you, you understand it's a spiritual practice and, and it was so real it was so real but until I really got saved, and I truly got saved, I ended up realizing that that was actually so far from what God actually has. How powerful God really is, or you know how loving God really is, until you actually get the taste of Him. And you can try finding it, honestly, for everywhere else, uh, you know, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in all these things, but that touch of you know the first touch of love that I ever got from God. Oh my gosh, it's like it's unspeakable compared to what you're actually trying to get out from all these other religions. Like I know I didn't go as deep, you know. I know um, Hinduism goes a bit into a bit of witchcraft as well. You know, it goes into a bit of different other things, and I know you can get you know deep and demonic you know experiences from these things. But the presence and love of God compared to all these things is uh, it's, it's nothing compared to it. So you're on the spiritual journey, trying to find the true God. How did you go from there to finding Jesus? One night, and um, after one of the experiences of you know, me coming from that party and having LSD, this was, I think, a couple months after that, that part, I ended up taking LSD again. It really kind of messed me up that night, and ended up kind of having almost a similar experience as, as I, what I did at that party. But this time, I was a bit more open to the spiritual spiritual realm. It was like one of my friends brother's party so I was just there and I was close to his brother as well so you know end up partying with them um, but you know me being around people I didn't know I think I just I was like, oh, what's happening <laughs> and I'm just sitting down with my mate in, in, in his room and um, ended up literally having an encounter with Satan and Satan was literally just speaking speaking out of him we we're very spiritual kind of together and like he was always like that I don't know how, how he was like that but um um, we we're always kind of close and kind of stepped on that same foot when it came to things like that and I think when I had that conversation with him there was really, there was really weird stuff going on I was like, what's, what's happening? So after that I think it kind of just led to a point a bit closer to the night I think it ended up going towards like the numbers of 333 at night I still got the messages on my phone where I think after I had the conversation with my, like, you know with the devil or with Satan um, I literally messaged my mum like Mum, like, we need to help this person um, it was hold my friend because I could see Satan, you know, speaking through him and, like, the tone of voice would change in him and I'd literally see, like, you know, horns. I think it's just the depiction, you know, of you know, what you think Satan is in your mind and, like, the voice would change and, like, he'd end up speaking to you differently. Like, I'd try to speak to my mate and, like, I'd, I'd speak to him for, like, a few seconds and then just come back again. i like, what the heck is
1: happening? <laughs> I'm
4: so lost. So as I got, you know, deep into that conversation, it was around, you know, like, the time, three. it was actually 3 through 3 when, I think, ended up coming to, coming to the conversation where it's just like a wage for myself. Like pretty much Satan was like, I, I, you can do something, um, you know, I can actually give you something that no one else can really give you. And it was giving me like opt- an opportunity to pretty much, like I understood the idea of, you know, selling your soul to the devil at that point, you know, being in the music industry and all these things. I'm like, look, you don't get that big for no reason, you know, you can't just get that, especially if your music's not even good. (laughs) Like, you know, I looked at it, I'm like, look, it's it's understandable. Having the spiritual background, I'm like, yeah, uh, it makes sense. So, like, that depiction of what was happening in that moment was pretty much just a wage for my soul. It was pretty pretty much asking me, like, look, I can work with you. You can work with me, I give you what you want, and you give me what you want. And eventually, I ended up giving in, um, and then I ended up pretty much just saying yes. Um, As as the moment of me, you know, speaking out and saying, yeah, I'll work with you, I literally felt something leaves from my body. At that point, I thought everything. was that was it. I thought it was all over. I didn't, you know, act upon it. I'm like, all right, now what's the next step? Straight on, I'm like, what did I just do? And when you feel something completely leave you, it literally felt honestly felt like my soul left me. I was like, what the heck? I started fighting for it. I'm like, give it back. <laughs> I'm like, give it back. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, uh, uh, and then I was just like, what the heck is happening? And then I would go into another room um, next door um, and I started like meditating. I straight away, that was like my, my, my thing just to do, straight away just meditate. I'm like and I started calling on the names of Jesus. Um, some Hindu gods named named Krishna and Buddha I just kept saying it in circles and like and over and over, again, over and over again and eventually it ended up coming back. Like whatever that you know, me, you know, that feeling of what left me, I ended up feeling it coming back, but it ended up going again, coming back and I was just like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. So my friend tried to talk to me, I was like, look, I have no idea what's happening <laughs> and I ended up just staying outside and I was just looking and I was still, you know, that high off drugs, looking at the stars and I saw like shooting stars just going across the sky just over and over again like why well, is
1: happening <laughs>
4: um so i ended up i couldn't sleep that night and i'm just you know i think i slept for a good like maybe an hour or something and i'm waking up and then you know my friend would end up um like speaking to me and it felt like it didn't stop like it felt like oh, i thought you know i'd go to sleep wake up and like it'll be all right after this you know it was just something this is a bad night you know you wake up and it's all good he ended up trying to tell me i was someone else from the past um um, and then from there, it was like, oh, you're this person. And I had another friend. And um, he's that person. And I honestly thought that was it. I thought that I was actually that person. And I think that's what led me to, you know, um, losing more of myself and actually making that contract with the devil. Um, so after um, he told me that I was a person, I was fully convinced that I was someone else from the past. And um, so when I woke up um, the next night, he ended up telling me, he's like, ended up calling me that person's name again, I'm like, what day, is happening? <laughs> I thought this was going to be over. Um, so I straight away, honestly, I just left. And at that time, I tried to stay away a bit from drugs, um, but I was still around those friends. Um, so I went over to one of my friends' house, and I just spoke weed just a little bit. It wasn't too much. I was like, look, i have a little bit. So it is... And it felt like it wasn't too bad, but at the same time I felt like, ah, (laughs) it's a little bit bit too much. I think at that point, you know, after having that experience, it just left me like, I don't know what's happening anymore. So I had that and then ended up just, you know, sleeping upstairs um, in one of the the rooms in his house. And um, at night, um, pretty much just felt like the feeling of like Satan coming back. Um, I felt like this was the, this this was like the time because... When I ended up, you know, speaking to the Satan at that time, you know, speaking to the Devil, making that contract, it wasn't like, oh, you can take this, um, and you give me like, you know, a gift for music or something like that. It wasn't like that. He didn't end up saying that. He just didn't work the art. Ended up, you know, just saying yes. And then from there, that's what I felt like I lost. Um, but then I ended up feeling that, you know, dark presence, and it was just complete darkness just coming closer to me. I thought this was the moment. It was like, all right, now you give me. This is what. This is your time to choose what you want from me. I pretty much went in and I'm like, look, I want to have a gift, you know, to rap. Hmm. And, you know, a gift, obviously, in music and, you know, to be able to go into this in this place. But as soon as the last words that came out of my mouth when I said that was Jesus. And the Holy like the Holy Spirit, literally, after I said that Jesus came out, I don't know how. <laughs> like, I literally was such a dark presence, you know, coming close to me. But, you know, because it's still your, you know... The idea of your conscience, you know, and you making that decision, but Jesus was the last thing that came out of my lips when I said that. In the Holy Spirit, I literally saw come down into my chest and like it, it flaming blue and I just felt the, whole Spirit, the Holy Spirit just you know completely off my chest on my chest everything I felt like I was wrong was gone I was like I feel like you know me not being able to control myself I feel like every time I think of was you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit at that time I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was so like I felt this massive cross just in me and I was flaming blue I'm like whatever it was it was right um, and it kind of led me down to going more towards church as well it was a bit weird you know walking to a church um, but I think you know I was at I was probably at you know my most pivotal point of, you know at the lowest of my lows. And I'm like, this is either this or it's really nothing. Where I just saw people just worship and I just I just came down and like, alright, I'll worship too. Because I felt weird not worshiping the one thing, <laughs> watching everyone worship. Like, alright, I'll do it. I'm sitting at the back and I started worshiping and I just felt like the love of God for the first time ever in my life. And... It was amazing it was the most beautiful thing um, I think I ended up after that, that experience ended up I didn't feel like I was supposed to be in that church um, so I ended up coming down and um, went to school with Pastor Martin it was a couple of years um, um, above me so I ended up contacting him out oh, he's always into like Hillsong and like all these churches always messaging he's like oh look come down to you um, back when I was like a teenager, I think I went a couple of times but like I walked out I'm like what way. <laughs> I remember like my last time walking walking out of here, so i like, I think this place is a cold But I ended up walking out <laughs> not to not to say anything but look, I remember like, you know, people at the front like just all clapping all at once, like <laughs> no, nah, maybe not. But I was too young then <laughs> So like look, um so I ended up like messaging and he ended up inviting me to one of them, um, One of like a crew night, a crew high night. That's what we called back then, Um, and it was pretty much everyone going out together, and um, just having dinner, having dinner, just having a few games all around, and just everyone just you know just getting to know each other. Honestly, like you know, being in the friend group I was and like around the people I was, I didn't feel at home at first. But at the same time, I did.
1: (laughs) It was really weird. It was, like,
4: really, really weird. I felt so distant from these people because I was so different from what I've, you know, gone through in my life, you know, of what I've done. But at the same time, I still felt at home to an extent. So I ended up... um, and I'm sticking through, and I'm sticking through, and I'm going to the services, like, bit by bit, you know, the teaching of God will just hit me every single every single week. I'm like, dang, <laughs> dang, dang, dang. But I think the devil kept trying to tell me, He's like, you don't, you don't belong here. Um, every single, you know, every single weekend, the same questions of, do you actually belong here? Are you actually supposed to be here? And it got me, obviously, every single time. But at the same time, it was something that kept me grounded um, in echo. One night I went out to one of my friends, um, Old friends so a past friend, and I didn't understand you know how how that can actually affect me, but I remember walking out with him and he, he was just still um I was saved for about a couple of months from at that point, and I remember it was just still stuck in the same lifestyle, still selling drugs, still smoking and still doing the same thing I was just like I don't think this, this is it. this is definitely not it for me anymore. Um, and i coming back to this building while um, it was renovating like this place, was I remember just walking in taking like the first few steps and like I realised this was home. To understand that there's a God out there, he's been watching you your whole life, you know, even if you weren't a Christian and it actually understands you and no matter whatever wrong thing, you know, you've actually done in your life. And he's come out and he's like, look, I've given you a chance. You know, I've given you this time to actually come back and come back to me. Um, it was probably the most beautiful moment. Cool. So Jay, thank you so much for sharing your testimony, having us here today. Um, last thing to do is just to pray for anyone who might be watching. Yeah, all right. Um, all right. Thank you, Lord, for, for this opportunity to be able to able to come here and share share what you've done in my life, Lord God. I just pray for every single person that's that's watching this right now, for anyone that's you know, related to this story, related to my testimonial of how, how that you've worked in my life. I just ask for your Holy Spirit just to be upon them, your Holy Spirit just to guide them to actually realizing who they really are in their life, to actually realizing that you are the one true God um, of their life and that you actually want to have this personal experience with their life. So I just ask for for every single person to just... Just look up to God right now and just actually just decide to believe in Jesus Christ in the first place. Decide to actually give their life and actually live out a life in sacrifice to Jesus Christ. And that's what he's done for us. Um, as he went down to the cross, he, his whole life was a sacrifice, a ransom for, for, for many and for us. So we just ask for, for your spirit just to come upon every single person, Lord God, who's watching this right now. So for your spirit to guide them and to bring them into into a covenant with you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen
1: all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> praise the Lord.
2: amen amen
4: amen come on everybody
2: get your feet happy
3: prayer stand up I was like man I need all the prayer I can get so I get up this guy next comes next to me he puts his hand on my shoulders he begins to pray over me and when he begins to pray I begin to cry because he's telling me things that I knew he shouldn't have known he said I see a house that's broken he said, then he said, now I see it being all white. And he said, now I see God putting furniture in it. And I knew, like he's saying this stuff, but I know exactly what he's talking about. When he said, he's going to use your story, I thought about being molested. I thought about the abuse. When he said, I see a broken house, I saw my family, how broken I was, you know? And I was like, oh my goodness.
1: Hey, Eric, welcome to Delphi Testimonies. For the people who don't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, my name is Eric Villatoro. I am 27 years old, married seven months with my beautiful wife, Genesis. And uh, I'm the lead director and founder of Fe Testimony. So a lot of people have been asking um, for me to share my testimony. And so I'm excited to be able to Today, finally, by God's grace, be able to share what God has done in my life. So that's just a little bit about who I am and what God has me doing right now.
1: Eric, what is your testimony of Jesus?
3: Yeah, so I was born in New York, Long Island, New York, from immigrant parents. My mom came from Nicaragua to New York. My dad came from El Salvador to New York. Um, They met and... They basically had me. Um, it was happened really quickly. They were both really young. I think my mom might have been like 23, 24. My dad was like 22, 21. And uh, I was born. And immediately after I was born, nine months after I was born, they separated. And so I actually never really got to see my parents in that way. Um, from an early age, I just heard about my dad, but I didn't really have a relationship with him because right when they separated at nine months my mom actually left back home to her home country in nicaragua and she took me with her so when she took me with her um now i found myself in a whole different place not that i knew you know nine months i don't really know what's going on but i remember growing up in nicaragua um and it was i mean it was amazing it was beautiful you know it's a third world country so it's very poor but uh playing on the dirt um you know just living a very simple life with my cousins i had a lot of family out there um and so i i had a really really great childhood growing up from like one to five essentially i have a lot of great memories Um, my mom would tell me about my dad you know she would always tell me hey you have a dad he loves you he lives in the united states you know i never really in that that time you couldn't really have too much contact over the phone because it was a little bit more difficult and so we didn't have smartphones and so i didn't have that contact with him but i knew that he was he was there um now my story began to take a turn my life began to take a turn at the age of five very early on so around the age of five um, I was sexually abused um, for the first time. Now, this is interesting because always in my life, there was always two stories happening, okay? There was seeds being planted of who God was and, and you know, um, it was just that. And then there was the other side where things would be happening that would... For lack of better words, would, would would really harm me, you know, hurt me, and nobody knew about. So my mom would used to always tell me about God, you know, when I was in when we would go to bed and stuff. She would tell me about Jesus. But now I also found myself at a five years old being molested for the first time, and immediately when the molestation happened, um, it kind of just opened up this whole new world of of uh, sexuality, like just being really curious. Um I was molested multiple times actually from the age of 5 to the age of 10 by both men and women. The first time it happened under my mom's roof it was a family friend. Um and then it began to happen with uh cousins. Um the cousins were what I what I know now is child on child abuse. So it was us playing and now all of a sudden we're doing inappropriate things together. Um and none of our parents knew about this at the age of eight i decide um uh, well i didn't decide but my my dad comes back into the picture and he speaks with my mom and they basically they come to the conclusion that i should move to the united states and they ask me say hey do you want to move to the united states when they ask me do i want to move to the united states the immediate thing I thought about was McDonald's, bright lights, like it smells different over there, like it's cleaner. Let's go. I'm out. And I'm not even thinking that this is a life decision. I'm just thinking, man, it's it's nice out there. It's nice in New York. I'm going to go. So um, a couple months later, I got up and went. Um, when I went to um, the 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 United States. I come to live with my dad, and now we're living in a house where he's renting to other people. I was molested then in in that house by people that he was renting to. And the story of my sexual abuse really expands in a lot of different ways. And I you know I can't really share everything that has happened in my life because we would be here for a little while. But that this was just something that the devil really used against me. Um, and so I'm just kind of sharing the major parts. Um, So you guys can kind of get a picture of where I was and where God had to meet me. So um, I began to give a lesson at this time. And um, I believe that at this time what I was seeking was was love. Uh, My dad was never there, you know, when I was younger. Um, My dad actually was – he he didn't have his dad in his life. His dad got killed when he was five years old. Uh, My mom had a dad that was abusive. And um was an alcoholic, and so i I always had this missing link of a father and what that looked like and and so i I believe that in this time, what I was seeking for was that love was for that acceptance um was that closeness, and because I wasn't receiving that from my dad, and i don't you know I don't necessarily blame him because of what I know now in his life and the things that he went through this kind of led me to go seek it in other places i remember at the age of 10 years old i was traveling to go visit my mom and this was the first time that i was introduced to pornography pornography what we know today which is just complete vile and you know uh perverse content you know sexual content and i was in an airport with some other kids we were all flying alone basically they put you with a uh, with one of the crew members, and then they, they take you. So just me, myself, and these other kids. And um, in one of the um, waiting rooms, one of the kids pulls me over and and says, hey, check this out. And now it's pornography being shown by another another kid. And I remember that day I said, I'm going to come back from this trip, and when I come back, I'm going to look that up and I remembered something on it. And it was just like a commercial page. It wasn't even like an actual page. I went to Nicaragua, stayed with my mom out there, came back, and I went to a computer, a laptop that my dad had, and I looked it up. And sure enough, I found more pornography. And, and so I was, I was completely addicted without even knowing to sex. Around the age of 12, through the pornography... I found out that I could masturbate, that there was pleasure in this and immediately became addicted to that. At the age of 14, I finally get the opportunity to uh, have actual intercourse with with a young lady my age. And I go and do that. And you know, at this time, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm 14 years old. You know, before it happened, I'm like, I'm 14 years old. Everybody's around me telling me, man, I've had it at 12 years old, you know, 10, 13. Kids are bragging about this, you know, like sex, you know, like you gotta have it. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm running late. I'm 14, like I gotta get to it. And then it happens and immediately the first time that it happened, it happened one time and then it happened again with that same girl a couple months later. And I immediately get a bug. It was like a little a bug that was basically biting my entire genitals area. And I've never shared this with anybody, but that was my first interactions with sex. I did it because this is what you do as a man. This is what, you know, nobody, my dad is not talking to me about sex. You know, he doesn't even know how to have those conversations. To this day, we never really had those conversations. And so now I'm having to learn on my own and I'm learning from pornography. So I did it and immediately there's repercussions. And now I'm itching and I'm in church at this time with my dad and I'm having to not tell anybody because what am I gonna say? The, the itching got so bad to the point where I was literally at church scratching myself and I was so embarrassed. And finally I knew that I had to tell because it was just spreading. And I said, I have to talk about this. So I told my dad in so much shame. I said, dad, I had sex and I'm itching and I need to go to the doctor. And I remember even, I don't, my dad didn't really say much, you know, it was just like, okay, you know, like he couldn't, he never had a dad. He didn't know how to talk to me about these things. And so went to the doctor, got checked. They said, you have this bug put this cream on, blah, blah, blah. Bug went away, pain went away. But now I've had sex and I'm gonna to continue to do it. Now, around this time in in high school years though, um, sex not only opened me up to that, but it also began to kind of open me up to other things. It opened me up to depression it opened me up to the spiritual realm in a weird way. Around this time, I started to have sleep paralysis. So I would be in my sleep, and I would um, wake up. Oh, I would think I would be woken up. It would feel like I'm wide awake, my eyes wide open, but I can't move. And I can just hear things. And, like, it's just this overwhelming present that, you know, it's over me and all you fear is fear and i want to scream and i can't scream and at this time my dad is even sleeping with me in the in the same room because we we didn't really have money like that we was in a basement and i'm trying to scream and trying to call on my dad and he's not hearing me and this would happen constantly constantly constantly
1: um
3: around this time like i mentioned i was in a in a church and so there was some understanding like some one desire to like be in a church community because i would see little hints of what that looked like and people loving on each other and but um in this church i you know i was just there because my dad was there i didn't really have really interest i just it was cool to be around other kids but in this time i called my mom she was still in nicaragua she still is there and i said mom I'm having these dreams where I can't move where um you know it just feels like wrong like I what can I do and then my mom says you remember that that prayer that we used to pray when 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 you were little right uh when when she would put me to bed I was like yeah 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 el padre nuestro which is the the lord's prayer she was like yeah just pray that You know, and to this day, I only know that prayer in Spanish. Padre Nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre, you already know. You know, we're going in. So I said, okay, perfect, we're going to try it out. So sleep paralysis kicks in. You know, it's a very constant thing. Padre Nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre, sleep paralysis breaks. Okay. Sleep paralysis kicks in. Padre Nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre, sleep paralysis break. It got to a point where all I had to say was Jesus. Not even having a relationship with Jesus. It, it'll sleep paralysis. It kicks in. I'm sleeping. Uh, Jesus. So, Eric, seeing the power of God kind of break that for you, what did
5: you
1: think about Jesus?
3: You know, I didn't, I didn't think anything of Jesus. I knew there was power. I knew there was power in his name. But I didn't I didn't think anything of it. I, I just saw it as a solution. Like this is a solution to my problem. But I'm going back to the pornography. Problem solved here. We're good here. All right. Whenever this kicks in Jesus Padre Nuestro. Amen. But when I'm not sleeping, pornography. All right? Masturbating. Um, so I didn't really have too much an understanding of Jesus. So I come out of high school. When I come out of high school, um, I get deeper into darkness. So now I start smoking weed. You know, I drop out of college. I'm still having sex. I'm in a six year relationship with this young lady from high school at this same time, you know, praying certain things, you know, God, my friends are in college. They're doing great and I hate it. I'm not in college. I don't feel like I'm doing great. They're doing great. Jealousy, right? Help me with this jealousy. Because of the sex and because of all of these things that were happening, I was also dealing with depression. God, take this depression from me. Like, I was starting to call out to God for things that I knew I had no control over, right? And he would take the jealousy away, like he would take certain things away, like he would answer my prayers. I really felt like he was answering my prayers and showing himself real to me. So then the jealousy all of a sudden would go away. I would say, God, you know, like, uh, you know, give me joy, like give me these different things that I, I was lacking in. And he would provide and I would know, whoa, this is real. You know, there was this one time. I put a show in D.C., or a, a, a beat battle type thing, you know, in, in the, involved in the music and everything. And uh, the day of the beat battle, it was supposed to rain. The forecast, we knew from two days, it's saying it's going to rain all day. And that day, I'm like, God, make the rain stop. Like, don't let it rain. And I'm believing it. I wake up, and my te- my team at the time maybe remembers that day, I was like, it's not raining. Don't worry about it. God got us. You know, I was like, if you didn't really know me, no, if you didn't know Jesus like that, you would think I'm like, a, you know what I'm saying, like a Christian or something. I'm like, God got us. Literally, the rain would get pushed back every hour. It would be at 90% at 3 p.m., then it was 20. Then we came come to, you know, 4 p.m., it will just kept getting pushed back. We got in the venue, boom, and it rains. So God was like showing me like, Hey, I'm real. I'm real. And I'll be like, okay. But then I started to getting into new age without even knowing in these rap shows, people will be wearing little crystals. You know, it's a cool thing. you got the crystal wrapped around a little copper wire or whatever, you know, everybody's making them, you know, they look fire, you know, it's like nice, cool looking rock. So I'm like, man, I want to support your business, you know, like, yeah, man, this this means, you know, protection, and this means, like, encouragement, like, you know, whatever, wisdom and all these things. And I'm like, Psh, yeah, that's cool. I want that, but it just looks cool. I want to support your business. Here, boom. Now I got crystals on me. You know, I'm walking around with a crystal. Then at some point, I do mushrooms. My girlfriend at the time finds what we call a plug, right, somebody that sells it. I was scared about it, but I was like, let's do it. And um, that really opened me up to this like spiritual realm. I saw demons in that in that encounter. I felt the peace at first. It started with this peaceful and loving space. Then it soon turned dark. And after that moment, I said, I'm not doing shrooms for a good five, six months anymore. I'm good, you know, like that was good enough for me. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my life in order. In order. Praying, 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 praying. God, remove people. God, do this, you know. You know, now I'm even potentially even thinking about, you know, like meditating and doing all of these things. My ex-girlfriend is charging her crystals and doing all that stuff. I have some friends who are artists, reads me tarot cards in New York. But through that seeking out is where I believe um, God really, uh, he met me. So all of a sudden this relationship ends, breaks up. Um, And I know... She she may watch this video and I I don't want to dishonor her. There was a lot of things that happened in that relationship that really shouldn't have happened. Um, and one of those things that you know I, I was not proud of is the cheating. You know I cheated multiple times in that relationship and then um, finally got brought it to a, a halt. And now I found myself in this in in this hopeless place because I was alone in an apartment. Now I had to move back to my parents. God had removed and stripped me from all of these different relationships. And now I found myself in this bedroom crying out to God. And so I cry out to God. I said, God, I know you're real because of the Catholic background, right? Like I knew that, I knew that he was real from then. But then also I had experienced him in little moments in my life. So I said, God, I know that you are real. Come into my life. I said, God, give me a wife. I was heartbroken, you know, you got it. I was heartbroken. I was like, I need a wife, you know. I said, give me a wife. Give me a church community, right? I had seen a little bit glimpses of what a church community looks like, and I said, give me a church community. Now, within the first month, Ashley, I forget her last name, Maldihar maybe, um, She's a friend of my ex-girlfriend. She texts me. Actually, I I I had messaged her on Instagram about something and she messaged me back and she said, "Hey Eric, I think you should come by to our youth gathering. I think it'll I think it'll help you." And I said, "Okay, I'm there." I pull up to the youth gathering, doubting, you know, but I'm hurting, so I'm like, "Okay, like I I know I need to be here." I pull up to this, actually, this church here, King of the Nations Church in Rockville, Maryland. And so I come into this youth group, and it's people dressed like like me or better than me, you know, like just look cool. And I'm like, got the hip-hop, you know, the Christian hip-hop playing in the back. And I'm like, man, this is fire. But the difference now is that people are not trying to be better than anybody else. You know, people are not just looking for, for what you, what can you do for me? But it's just, hey, welcome. You know, bro, what's your, you know, like, what's your story? You know, bro, Jesus, you know, like, man, you know, like just people just talking about God, talking about Jesus. But then something happened. Then they get into the message. And I'm like, whoa, I never heard stuff like this being talked like this, you know, like sermons in this way. And then they get to, uh, you know, they go into the worship, the message. i never seen people worship in that way, young people worship in that way. And then we get to the prayer part. Now, this is where God had me, right? So the prayer, they say, if you need prayer, something, something, stand up. I was like, man, I need all the prayer I can get. So I get up. This guy next, comes next to me. His name is Isaac. Isaac comes to me. He puts his hand on my shoulders. He begins to pray over me. And when he begins to pray, I begin to cry because he's telling me things that I knew he shouldn't have known. I didn't come into that church with a camera. I didn't come in that church looking like an artist. I have a picture when I came in, I was looking a little rough, you know? And he said, God is going to use you. The things that you have been through, God is going to use that to be able to connect with other people, and you're gonna be a home to artists. He said, I see a house that's broken. He said, then he said, now I see it being all white. And he said, now I see God putting furniture in it. And I knew, like he's saying this stuff, but I know exactly what he's talking about. When he said he's gonna use your story, I thought about being molested. I thought about the abuse. When he said I see a broken house, I saw my family, how broken I was, you know? How I didn't have my dad in my life. Um, even though he was there, it, it wasn't this father-son relationship, you know? How my mom, you know, my mom is back in Nicaragua. So I had this broken home and I was like, oh my goodness, okay, okay. And then he said, I'm gonna use you, you know, he's gonna use you to to connect with these different artists and everything. And I'm like, God, Okay, you're not going to get rid of my, you know, my desires and my arts and what I what I like to do. And I was like, Oh, man, okay, this is this is crazy. So I go home. And I'm like, man, I'm coming back. I kept coming back. Join uh, Holy Spirit Life Group, Freedom Life Group um, a production team. And I'm like in it. I'm like, let's go everything. Like we going in, like I'm here with my camera now recording. Like they didn't even have to ask me to record. I was just like, let's go. Like, I'm, you know, to me, this was like X-Men, you know, like people got gifts and talents and God is using them. And I'm like, use me Lord. Like I'm in it. Pandemic hits. Now when the pandemic hits, you know, like everybody else, you find yourself alone with your Bible. It's you and God. You know, the church church building is closed. I still had to come in here to record the messages. I was helping part of the team, so I still had a little bit of community, and we still met on Zoom, and that was awesome. But it was different, though. There was death knocking at the door. There's people dying everywhere. The streets were empty, you know? Like, you felt you would drive. I remember driving outside, and it was like, what is going on? There's nobody in this highway. Like, The death toll is rising. My dad gets COVID, almost dies. You know, my stepmom gets COVID, pregnant. And I'm like, what is going on? And I kind of get sick. I never got, I never, I never tested positive. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? But I believe I got sick one time. And when I got sick, I was in my room. I'm telling y'all, man, the peace I had because I was building this relationship with God. Man, I was like, We good, the chosen just dropped. Man, we, yeah, just going in, you know, in my Bible, sleep paralysis comes in and there, no problem, you know, like we, we strapped up, you know, and so I'm like, Just, just in love with God, and then I start to realize, um, I really don't know why I need to love Jesus now. I was hearing the gospel, I was hearing um, people really share the gospel in a simple way, preaching, I was being a disciple and all of these things, but I didn't understand um, why Jesus. And I believe this is the moment that I really got saved. Um,
1: So, Eric, you're saying that you were a part of church, you were a part of community, and you were doing all of the right things, but you still were
3: not saved? I don't believe I was saved, to be completely honest with you, because I I didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it was like, I know this is the right thing to do. And God is doing things in my life. And he's, uh, you know, within the first couple of months of me walking with Jesus, the, the want to masturbate was gone. The the want to um, um, to watch pornography was gone. I became abstinent from sex, right? Like, I was able to forgive the people who had abused me, right? Because he began to show me how he he saw them, and I began to see that they needed the same God that I had relationship with now. So I was like, man, I'm okay. Like, I let that go. God just touched them as well, you know? I knew that they had been abused themselves, and so I was like, God, we're good. So I was experiencing the power of God in my life, and he was transforming my life, but I still didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. And I know that for a fact... Because for several months, I began to cry out to God. The Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you will receive. And I began to do that for the gospel. I began to say, God, I don't know why I need to love Jesus. And I don't think I can be a Christian if I don't love Jesus. So I just began to look it up. I And also, this came through my discipleship because my discipleship shout out to carlos carlos discipled me an incredible man of god at some point in our life groups he'll he'll he he actually specifically asked tell me the gospel and when it got to me i was like ah uh, and i knew dude i went home i was like i'm like hold on now you're supposed to know the gospel You're supposed to know, you know, you're a Christian. I began to look. Google. Began to watch Ray Comfort. Shout out to Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort really put it together for me, really. God really used him. Begin to get in Scripture. Just seeking, 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 seeking. And finally it made sense. It came together. I realized, okay, there's millions of God out there. Millions of God's just in india over 300 million gods that people are praying to people are you know doing little things to but god right like the creator of the universe he actually was like i understand i understand that you guys are seeking here 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 i'm going to make it easy for you i'm going to get off my throne i'm going to come into the world jesus christ I'm going to live among you, live a perfect life, sinless, right? Not only that, I'm going to tell you I'm God. There's this whole you know, debate about, oh, Jesus doesn't say he's God. He says he's God. And then he tells you how he's going to prove it. And he tells you he's going to prove it by dying and resurrecting. Now you have something to look forward to. You know what I mean? If somebody says, hey... I'm God. Anybody can say I'm God, but when you say I'm God and I'm a, I'm gonna show you how I'm gonna prove it. And then it's like, okay, let's go. So, this is a scientific fact. You can do the research if you want. Proven that Jesus resurrected from the tomb. You can look it up. I did my research. It's up to you. You can. I did my, I looked it up, I was in it, just everything, watching what Muslims have to say, what these people had to say, I was in it, and came to the conclusion that he indeed resurrected. It's it's a fact. And I said, whoa. And then I found out through the scriptures that all I had to do was believe in this and put my faith in it. And if I did that, if I, if i understood if i trusted in that and what he did on on that cross dying for my sins while i was still a sinner resurrecting on the third day and then through this uh through this death burial and resurrection if i believe then i have eternal life with god with the father with jesus i was like whoa so i said i believe you know because it's proven It, it wasn't just a oh it's in my mind or like no 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 no, like i did the research so i said this is god and i believe and then i get the free gift of salvation and that's when i believe i was saved when i understood that and i said jesus you are lord you know there was repentance in my heart i knew man i'm not going back to them waters not after now i see the cross in this way ain't no way you died for me it's a wrap Never went back. Now, the last thing I want to share with you guys, though, is my third cry out. I first cried out for him to come into my life. You know, give me a church. He did that. Give me a wife. He did that. I'm married now. Praise God. Beautiful wife. You know, then I cried out to him. Hey, reveal yourself to me. Why do I need to love you, Jesus? Boom. He did that. Amen. Glory to God. And the third cry out was, God, I need you to use me. I have all these talents. I have these gifts. I have these skills. Use me. To make a long story short, I started doing a podcast in the pandemic, and I started recording people's stories, and this gets into De la Faye, right? I started recording people's stories, and I realized by episode 15, there was a conviction that I was recording everybody else's stories, which I didn't even realize it was their testimonies, i just thought i was interviewing them about their life with jesus which is their testimony and then realize um i haven't shared my testimony so i said okay god how do i do this i don't know how to do this and then um, i prayed i prayed i prayed and he led me to talk to my 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 pastor i talked to my pastor for the first time powerful conversation then he led me to talk with my parents my parents did not know that I had been sexually abused in their own homes. So I went to talk with them and that was powerful and I believe God is still healing in that space and that's completely okay. And then finally I said, okay, now it's time to share online. And I went on the podcast and I shared my testimony. And I just wanted to tell people about what Jesus was doing in my life. This is what that happened. This is the encounter that I had with God, and this is what he was doing in my life now, how he was healing, restoring me, right? Like giving me purpose, doing all of these things. And immediately people came up to me and said, Eric, I've gone through the same things. You know, I've experienced the same trauma. And, um, and some people that said, I've experienced the same things and I haven't told anybody. I was like, whoa. And then somebody came up to me from my church, and they shared Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they didn't love their lives so much as to shy away from death. And uh, when they shared that scripture with me, I saw a mission. Um, because what I saw was a formula of how the devil was going to be defeated. Now, I understood now the blood of the Lamb. We went on a whole journey with that, saying, God, reveal to me what this means i don't know what people when they're talking about you know um, uh, i'm covered in the blood i would literally picture people covered in blood but now i understood yeah, I understand. oh okay it's the gospel right when i'm covered in the blood it just means that i'm protected you know what i mean you can't condemn me jesus already you know paid the price you know all i have to do is have faith believe in him you know what i mean trust him and so boom i get the i get the blood of the lamb but now is seeing the word of our testimony. I was seeing my testimony, how it was impacting people. I was seeing how God was using it. And I said, okay, there's a mission here. And so uh, that's when God began to reveal to me Delafay testimonies. In June of 2021, through the help of other people, shout out to Junior, which was one of the first guys to hear you know, the heart behind, you know, what God was showing me when it came to Delafay and he actually came by beside me, this young guy who, who loves films. And we started shooting testimonies. And from June, 2021 to today, we've been releasing testimonies of Jesus every week. And the platform, Delafay Testimonies has reached over... 320,000 subscribers, over 30 million views, over 150 countries uh, reached. We opened up submissions for people to send in their testimony and people from all over the world began to send their testimony. I'm quite literally all over the world. Just in the last three months, my wife and I have gone to record testimonies in India, in Germany, in London, In Canada and here in America we've gone to over over three continents in the last three months and when I look back you know now even at everything that God has done to me is completely I mean it's it's mind-blowing because now you know God you know he I mean I don't long for what I used to long for, you know, that, that, well, I still long for that desire to be seen, to, 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 uh, to have love, right? To, to, to have friendship, but it's no longer from, just from the world, you know? Now it's, God, I want you to be, cl- I want, I want to feel you closer to me. I want, you know, like, I want to have friendship with you. You know, I, I want to hear your voice. And, every, and he does it every time. He talks to me. Every time I come to him, he talks to me. He teaches me. He, he, he corrects me. He guides me. He sends people to, you know, talk to me. And they're like, I'm like, how did you know that I was praying about that? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's God. And so it's like this beautiful relationship that I was always missing. A father. I was always missing a father. And God has become my father now. You know, and I mean, it's a, even in my marriage, you know, I come to God and he leads me in my marriage. So, I mean, he's just completely has blessed me, um, hasn't been easy, but glory be to Jesus for what he did on that cross because Because of what he did on that cross, I am now healed. And that is scripture. Because of his stripes, because of that sacrifice, because of him being whipped, brutalized, I can now testify and say I am healed. And so, man, it's an honor to be able to testify about what Jesus has done.
2: Eric, what words of encouragement do you have for the people who are watching
1: that may be struggling with their identity and are trying to find themselves in pornography or sex?
3: Uh, just to keep it very practical and simple, is it's just, it's Jesus. It's it's understanding the gospel. I think everybody um, needs to understand the gospel. And, and that in itself can take a while, but the first thing is just crying out to God, saying, God, come into my life, you know change my way of thinking help me you know reveal yourself to me all of the all of those desires everything that we want from the world everything that we want from pornography and all of these things i mean literally for me guys in a course of five months those desires were gone i was still a newborn you know what i mean like i was i was fresh and walking with Jesus. so they were stumbling you know you stumble of course For sure, it doesn't mean that every day is gonna be like, we're good. There were stumblings. But when I tell you that overwhelming desire to want to watch pornography, oh, I can't go without watching it today, I have to, or I'm lonely, I have to, this is the way, that goes away. And God takes it away. Um, And it comes through a relationship with him. So I would just encourage you to seek a relationship with Jesus. He is the true God. Don't let these crystals and Buddha and uh, Allah, that is not it. I'm telling you, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's where you're going to find your freedom and your healing.
5: Eric, for the people who may see a mission from God like you did, but don't know how to take the first step, what encouragement do you have for them?
3: Um, uh, uh, practicals. Surrendering your life to God, allowing him to be truly your Lord, right? Um, meaning uh, the Bible is authoritative in your life. I don't argue with the Bible. Do I have questions? Yes, I do. Do I talk to God? I'm like, God, I don't understand this. Yes, I do. But man, if the Bible, whatever the Bible tells me, whatever the word of God tells me, that's what I'm doing, right? And so God has to become Lord in your life. Simple way is to look at the Bible, right? Ask God to speak to you through that. Then is community. Community is really important. I ask God to give me a church. Um, and i 'm so grateful that it happened before this whole online community uh, online church thing no no shade to people who do online churches, but there 's nothing like actual community people laying hands on you, people coming right next to you and encouraging you, people giving you uh, um, um, words of wisdom you know just coming next to you that was uh, ultimately what also encouraged me to to do this because I had people next to me that would come and say hey i 'll help you you know um, and so Jesus is Lord, community, and then obedience. I was just doing whatever God would tell me to do. If God was telling me, and this is this is a fact, you can go check with my leadership. If Jesus was telling me, hey, I need you to go hang out with the elderly people outside of the church and pray with them because they're praying every Sunday before this sermon starts or whatever, whatever, that's what I was doing, and I was faithful to that, you know? If he tells me hey eric i need you to go on a tour recording testimonies when you don't have a job when you don't have money when nobody knows about Fe testimonies this is a fact this is a, a, a true thing get in your car and go that's what i'm going to do and that's what i did and lfa testimonies blew up when i came back from that tour so it's obedience as well and as you do that as you uh, recognize jesus as lord as you fully submit to him and become obedient um He's going to begin to reveal more and more, and then he will reveal to you what he wants you to do. And if he's already revealed that to you, be obedient, go, go for it, do it. He'll bless it. Eric, who is Jesus to you? Um, You know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, first of all, okay? We're We're going to get that out the way, because that's important. He is my Lord, and he is my Savior, I wouldn't be here right now without him, you know. Um, but today, I recognize him. Um, he he has given away for me to have a relationship with the Father. Because of Jesus, God has now become a Father to me. Okay, I believe in. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus died for us. I believe the Holy Spirit is here with us right now. And I believe that uh, we need a relationship with the Father, with Father God. Because of Jesus, he is my Father. And everything I looked for in a father, the acceptance, the love, the guidance, the correction, everything, I can now get. Um, through my relationship with Jesus, I can now see the Father and have relationship with the Father. And it has completely, completely um, transformed my life. Eric,
1: do you have any last words for anyone watching?
3: Um, Only last words would be if... Uh, you are not walking with Jesus if you have not made that decision in your life. If if maybe you are watching and um, you're realizing that you yourself don't understand the gospel, you don't understand what Jesus did in your life. I just want to encourage you um, to continue to seek after Him. Again, that scripture, right? Uh, seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Ask, and you will receive. Okay? The Bible also says to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything you need will be given to you, right? He will give you everything you need. So, as we seek his kingdom, and I want to encourage you to seek Jesus, right? Seek him with all of you. And then everything else you think you need, everything else that you know that's needed in your life. He's going to begin to provide it. So I'm just going to pray for you, for you watching. If you have been walking with Jesus for a long time or whatever, I just want to pray and bless you. So, Father God, I just thank you for every single person that's watching right now, Lord. And I pray, Father God, if they have not recognized you as Jesus is Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that they would be able, that their eyes would be open. And I pray, God, and I ask that you would reveal yourself to them. And, Father, I just pray even for the person who maybe has backslid, who um, has turned away. I pray, Father God, that you uh, would lead them back to yourself, God. And wherever they're at right now, God, I pray that your tangible presence, Lord, I, I just pray that your tangible presence would touch them. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for making yourself known to us and for choosing us. Thank you for every person that's watching. Reach them, Holy Spirit. Touch them, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen.
0: morning, area code 434, first three numbers, 872. God bless you this morning. How are you? I I see your hand raised in the studio. Maybe you did it by mistake, or maybe you muted your mic or something. Can you hear me? Okay, okay. No problem. Maybe they touched the number one, um, by mistake. So it's okay today, in Jesus' name. We're moving right along. We got one last um, testimony. And after this testimony, uh, the studio will be open, and uh, you can share or whatever it is you want to talk about. But we got one more. But let me get you, Sister Jerry. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? (laughs) Good morning, Sister Barbara. I am well. That was a powerful testimony. And I just want to say thank you. I enjoyed it. Very powerful. Amen. And Amen. good morning to everyone. I'm sorry. Good morning to everyone. Amen. All right. We got one more to go. One more to go. Okay. All right. God bless you. And I area code 434 first three numbers 872. I'm going to mute my Because maybe you touched that, number one, by mistake. God bless you.
5: I was leaving for the military in August of 2020. I ended up going to basic training. I went to tech school. So I take this vape. I told him to pass it to me. I take it and I start hitting it. And I'm like, what did I just do? Like, that's how much my heart was racing. And I knew God was real. I knew he was just letting me know like, you know, I can take away your breath right now. And he put his hands on me and the Holy Spirit just fell upon me. I started shaking. The fire of God was on me. And he told me, um, you've been set aside, not to be picked on, but to be picked out. My life was crazy. I was in the world. Um, But the funny thing is I actually knew Jesus. I knew him when I was younger. I knew him growing up. I was always in church. My parents raised me to be in church. You know, we went every Sunday. Um, I grew up at a really loving, you know, prophetic church with pastors that love me and looked at me as if i was their own child like having a lot of church family and friends is how i actually grew up and i love the lord i would get so excited to talk to him when it came to my classmates i would talk about him to people um, all the time i remember i helped someone get saved when i was in like second grade wow. um so I, I really loved the Lord, and I knew Him. I believed in Him, and I was real, real um, aggressive when people would say that God wasn't real. Like, I was, like, eight years old. I remember I had a friend at recess, and we would tell people, you know, the mark of the beast is coming. There's this microchip that's going to be out, and don't take it. It has 666 on it. And we would be at recess telling people, me and my friend, we would tell people, um, you need to accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior. You need to accept Him because if you don't, you could go to hell. And, I mean, wow. it's true, but I was really young telling people about the Lord. But then as time went on, I strayed away from him through middle school insecurity, through being accepted in high school, and then going into the world. But you know, when you're young, you don't fully understand who God is. You're not fully going to comprehend the Bible. So it was a lot to take in for me, but I knew he was real. I knew Jesus was my Lord and Savior. I can't remember an exact time where I accepted him into my heart. I probably did it multiple times, but I believed in him and I knew he was there and I knew he was real. And I would always, it was kind of weird how young I was. I would look in the mirror and I would just look, look in there at like five years old and I'd be like, why did God send me on this earth? I just knew I had a purpose, and I didn't know what it was, and I would always be so excited to figure out what that purpose would be, and now I'm finally at that point. So, you know, that goes on. I remember I never had any issues with, you know, any disbelief with God from kindergarten to, I would say, like, fifth grade. There was no nothing bad, really, in my mind. There was nothing going on that made me upset or believe that God isn't real. but. You know i feel like it was always a battle with the enemy it's like the angel on your right shoulder and then the devil on your left shoulder you know how it is in cartoons that's how i feel like my life started to look like especially in middle school so there was no reason for me to be upset but then i started to just have like this attitude towards my life, towards my family, towards God. I was a really outgoing kid, you know, like through kindergarten through fifth grade. I didn't have a problem talking to people. But then middle school, just all this insecurity came in. And I know that it was lies from the enemy filling my head. I would be so sad all the time for no reason. And I know that was the devil getting to me about my looks, getting to me about my personality. And when you're chosen by God and he sets you apart, Sometimes it can be hard because the people around you, like classmates and students in school, they don't understand your walk with the Lord. or They don't understand you going to church every Sunday, so they'll pick on you and stuff. So I just became really insecure with my faith, I guess, my looks. I feel like the devil wanted me to believe that I was ugly. He picked at every imperfection, and I believed that those imperfections were true and that didn't make me beautiful. I started to um, compare myself a lot. I would always feel like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I have what they have? Or something so simple as, why can't I um, go on vacations on summer vacation? I always felt like my life was boring. And then I started to compare myself with the friends that I had and the way their parents treat them. I started to believe my parents don't love me as much as they say they do, and that's not true at all, but the devil started to fill my mindset with those things and made me have this attitude that – you know, life isn't anything to be grateful for, so I started to have this um, animosity towards my parents, and they just weren't fulfilling the love languages that I needed, which were like spending time and, you know, uh, words of affirmation, stuff like that, but I finally learned that your parents can only love you as much as they have been loved before, so it's not to talk bad about them at all. They did nothing wrong. It's just that lie from the enemy filled my mind. Because they weren't spending time with me, I felt like they didn't love me as much, which was not true. They were hardworking, getting things done. We didn't have as much back then. And that's just one of the things that I was dealing with. So as I'm dealing with that, I remember specifically, there's this time in middle school, I was like counting down the amount of years I had till I was 18. And one of the things that also made me have that animosity was because they were strict. whole time I know now it's to protect me, but I saw how everyone in middle school and high school was living. They could do different things that I couldn't, you know, and I just felt some type of way off of that, and it made me isolated from everybody else. I wasn't able to hang out with everybody else or do things like everybody else, so that made me want to rush the process of being 18 and doing things my way and not having parents to tell you what to do. So I remember I calculated how many years I have till I turn 18 I times it by 365 and then my equation was you know I have 1,000 something days until I turn 18 and I can leave this house that was so dramatic and I remember I was crying but I was you know I didn't have a calendar where I marked each day off but I just remember doing that and that just shows how much I couldn't wait to turn 18. So as time goes on I get into high school I was in sophomore year, and this was kind of like a turning point for me because I started to put my value into my looks. I started to have, you know, what they call a little glow up or whatever. So my teeth got straight, my skin was clearing up, you know, I had really long hair, and that brought a lot of attention towards me. And as a girl that never got that attention, I didn't know how to handle it once it was given to me and this was attention from boys I'm not even going to say men, boys and right. that that attention was not good it was lustful attention it was disrespectful attention it was attention that was not the attention that God gives you, you know? And I didn't know how to decipher that with not having any attention and feeling ugly in middle school. And now I'm starting to feel good about myself and all these boys are trying to talk to me and say things to me and I was bold about it. I would say things back and I would, you know, entertain it. And I didn't realize that God didn't create me to say those things. Like I knew, I I would feel convicted and I would be like, I know that I'm not supposed to entertain this kind of stuff, but it's like, I like the attention too. So it's always been a battle. It's like, I know what's right and I know what's wrong, but I don't want to do right because it's boring or because I don't want to look lame, something like that. So anyways, I started to see how it wasn't right. And then I started to realize, like, you know, I was raised to wait till marriage. I was raised to wait for somebody who loves you and get married and wait on a husband. Don't give your virginity to anybody, stuff like that. And so I had those standards. I had that, those seeds planted into me. But and was I going to apply it, though? So I get upset. Now I'm getting depressed because I see how these boys don't really like me or love me or want to be with me. It's just about sex. It's just mm. about getting me or something. So I start to get really upset because now I'm seeing everyone in relationships again and they're more serious than it was in middle school. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I have a boyfriend? Why can't someone love me? And why can't I have somebody to love me? And because I wasn't getting the love that I wanted to from my family, I guess, I wanted to try to find it in a relationship. And so I didn't know how to have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know how to seek that relationship with him. So I was trying to find it in boys. And so um, moving on, I go to my junior year of high school and someone that I never expected to like me back or have an interest in me ended up wanting to talk to me. And so we ended up talking and we ended up being in a relationship. And um, he was telling me all this stuff like, you know, I'm the most loyal girl he's ever had. And there's nobody else like me. And I do believe that was true. But then again, you know, it was something that comforted me to know I'm finally worth it to Mm. somebody. I ended up getting my heart broken because he ended up cheating on me and I didn't know how to take that. It's like, God, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? Why can't I keep people around? Why can't I have friends? Why can't I do what everybody else is doing? Because mind you, before that happened as well, I would always try to be like everybody else, sneak around my strict parents household and do things. But every single time I did something, I got caught or something bad happened. And I started to feel like, God, do you, do you not like me or something? Do you hate me? Because I see everyone else doing stuff and it's always I get my heart broke, I get betrayed or something bad happens to me. Like, why can I do what everybody else is doing? I'm confused at this point because I'm like, yeah, I get it. God is real, but like, it's like he has something towards me because I can't get away with nothing. I can't just live my life and have fun time goes on now I'm a senior you know I created more soul ties with some people and I'm just at this point where I'm heartbroken I feel like I have no friends I'm ready to be successful and I had a lot of pride when it came to my success because my plan at the end of the day even when I did my little calculation with how many days I'm going to turn 18 my plan was to go to the military my dad was in the military and he served 20 years in the Air Force and he always told me that's the best option for you is to you know just do four years go to the Air Force and get get your benefits, go to school. And so ever since I was like 12, that was my plan. And this time was finally coming. I'm a senior. I already signed the papers to go into the Air Force, and I'm really excited because I finally get to do what I've been wanting to do, be free, do what I want to do at 18, not have nobody tell me what to do. And I had this mentality and this pride of, like, I'm going to be the most successful person to come out of Lake Forest High School, and I'm going to make all this money, and I'm going to be, you know, this insta-baddie that's going to have all this, stuff and you know just all this stuff in my head but I knew I had to keep God first I knew I had to actually invest my relationship with him because of the people that were around me my pastors my family my church family you know always telling me put God first and everything else will line up and I knew that so
3: so as you were going through all of this there there yeah. was people around you continuing oh, yeah. so, to yes to talk I went to about God.
5: and talk to me about God and I just I knew he was real. I knew that, you know, the devil was real too, but I just wanted to, I had that desire in my heart to do what I wanted to do, and so that's what always would pull me away from God is the fact that I know I can't fully follow him if I have these desires in my heart to party, to drink, to smoke, to have sex, to have relationships. I knew I can't fully be in tune with God if I'm doing those things, so it's always back and forth, back and forth.
3: Did a a part of you, I'm just wondering here, did a part of you felt... Like you needed to go and do those things before you could be in a relationship with God. Yeah,
5: that's that's actually good. Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking. Now that I think about it, it's like I I knew I had to do those things before I could get right with Him because it's like you know you can't do that stuff when you're right with God. Mm. So it's like I had that,
3: which is a complete lie too and a deception. Right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, for
5: sure. Because wow. He accepts you in any way.
3: Yeah.
5: But I just knew there's this saying. It's like the more you know, the more is required. Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, the more you know the more is required, or um what well, much is given, much is required, so right. it's just like I wanted to just you know do my thing and just kinda put him to the side yeah. i'll I'll get to him later, or like what people say they're like i'm young i'll I'll um take my life serious later on and get a relationship with God later on. Which isn't true you should be you know following him fully when you fully want to be in a relationship with him
3: yeah so, that is the best option
5: yeah that's the best option yeah. but you know we're humans and we have that simple nature we're going to want to do yeah. what we want to do so
3: so what what happened there so now you're you're out of high school yes yeah, right I'm
5: out of high school I graduated and so I graduated in May during covid 2020 I was leaving for the military in August of 2020 I was ready to go and then you know leaving your family and stuff is harder than it's So it was really emotional to finally do what, um, you know, I've been waiting for and to finally separate from them and everything. But I ended up going to basic training. I went to tech school and then I came back home and then my duty station was going to be Alaska. So I get to Alaska. Everyone's telling me to be careful. Depression. I'm like, I'm not going to receive or proclaim any of that. I'm just going to continue to put God first and pray to him, read the word. And so during quarantine in Alaska, I was reading my word. You know, the Bible app has different plans. I started doing those plans, writing down any revelations that I would have. But I also started to get confused and started dibbling and dabbling with new age stuff. So it was like I believed in God, but I was also believing in like the universe and chakras opening up and like um, manifesting things and writing them down 10 times and those things will happen. And like it was I was just so confused and I believed in, like, crystals, and I remember this one time I was looking up how to open your chakras. And right after I got out of that YouTube video, I get on Instagram and I seen someone repost a post on their story. And it was like new age spiritually, spirituality is not real. Do not do these things. It is a deception from the devil. He's trying to make things look like they're good and, you know, spiritual when the whole time it's demonic and it's witchcraft. And I remember I looked at my phone and I was like, yo, I think God is telling me to stop. Like I'm not supposed to be doing any of that. Right. Cause I knew the truth i knew when i was convicted and i feel like the holy spirit let me see that post to stop but i'm stubborn so i didn't go too deep into it but it was something that i would look into all the
3: time like the crystals and everything and And, so and samantha before you continue there yeah just out of curiosity here do you remember how do you begin to get interested in it
5: I think it was really getting trending, like viral at the time. Got I remember it. in twenty twenty it was quarantine, so people were finding theirself and everything and mm. I saw a lot of different posts about it and yeah, I just remember seeing it a lot on social media, like people talking about how to get their get to your goals and you know manifesting them and having crystals to protect you and stuff and I I just don't remember specifically how it happened but I know it was a lot of new age things happening and people were posting about it like how to meditate and opening up your chakras is important stuff like that and so I would actually go into um trying to meditate and there was this meditation I would actually do to try to go to sleep and I knew something was demonic about it because I went into like a sleep paralysis when I was doing this meditation it was a sleeping talk down thing and then it had like these freak. Frequencies that are supposed to help you in your sleep, but I, I had sleep paralysis, I was in a dream, and I couldn't wake myself up, and I thought my sister was screaming at night, and um, it was like this really loud scream that was like, you know, she needed help kind of thing, but I couldn't get myself out to wake up and um, get up and check on what was happening, but I ended up falling back asleep, but I remember I woke up and I was like, it didn't sit right with me that that happened, so I know that the new age spirituality, that's one open door for demons, so... That's just an example of um one of the things that I realized, like, it's it's not good. So I'm in Alaska. My address is literally the North Pole. I start working my job, and my job in the military. Your
3: address is the North Pole? Yeah,
5: it was literally the North Whoa. Pole. Yeah, it was crazy because, you know, they all say that's where Santa's from or whatever. But I was like, I never would have thought I'd be stationed here, right? So I start my job in the military, and now I'm starting to get like really upset because the things that i thought it was going to be like the vision that i had in my head for myself with the military was not the way it was happening i had this vision i'm going to go in you know i'm going to be lit i'm going to be in a warm base like florida by the beach or like somewhere in germany or japan like a cool base you know that um everyone else that i see is getting and you know I, i was staying positive on the base of alaska but at the same time it was dark i mean the sun only comes out like for four hours in the wintertime, it's like 11 till two and it'll go down. And so that does affect your mind a little bit and it does affect your body and stuff because you're used to having that sunlight and everything. So
3: so when people were telling you that it was going to be dark, it was they were quite like, literal. Yeah, no, darkness. it was
5: literal. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it actually was a dark place because I just noticed how, um, like the army base had this, uh, it, just, it was this board and they, they would put on there how many suicides and DUIs have happened in the past year and you know the number would just keep going up throughout the year and so it was a place that was pretty dark and I was starting to see how this wasn't the way that I saw it and I started to compare myself once again I was seeing people with different bases and they were having fun they were out you know on the weekends on a boat on a yacht and I'm over here and piles of snow and I'm just like I can't wait to get out of here already and so my job, I started to compare myself with my job. Some people in the military had 9-5 to office jobs, holidays off, you know, just a regular full-time job and so my job at the dining facility, which was a cook was to um, do 12-hour shifts I was starting off with 12-hour shifts 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I was just flipping omelets, making burgers. And that's not how I visioned my, you know, military career. Just seeing everybody in relationships again and then being alone. I started to just feel like, okay, the military is not what it, I thought it was going to be. And now I'm just why can't things just ever go right, is what my mindset was on. I'm like, God, like, here we go again. I'm thinking something is going to be all good and sweet, and then it's not. Like, what is it with you and me? Like, what do you have against me? Why can I ever be happy, right? I started to just find I'm back in this cycle I'm finding somebody to be in a relationship with that can show me that love that can show me I'm worth it that can be there for me that can hold me whatever and so I'm am a a big girl now you know I'm not in my parents house I don't have to sneak around I can be in a relationship and see them whenever I want and have them come to my dorm whatever so I'm gonna mention this relationship because it's a big part of the whole testimony I ended up meeting this guy that was in the army and you know he was someone that could relate to me on being away from your family. He's someone that said he was spiritual. And so that new age spirituality, he wasn't spiritual with Jesus. He was fake spiritual with new age stuff. The first day we met, we actually went to my very, very first party ever. And so I was still, you know, trying to be a good airman and stuff like that. I didn't drink at this party. I didn't do anything. But during that party, I just seemed like Now that I look at it in a perspective where I'm, you know, in tune with the Lord and spirituality with Jesus, I saw the demons manifest that he had. i seen him pick up this bottle and just chug this alcohol, and something in me was like I wanted to help him. I wanted to help him seek the Lord. The whole time I needed my own help to seek the Lord with my own own, um, walk with Christ, but it's like I knew who God was, and... I wanted to be that person to bring him to Christ. But it's like, I should have just done it for me. But, you know, I wanted this relationship. I thought he was so cute, so attractive, whatever. It's, you know, I also wrote down when I was doing my little manifestations with the new age spirituality stuff, exactly what I wanted in a man. And, you know, his physical attributes really fit that list. And so one thing the devil does is he will use people that, He knows you're attracted to. He knows that's on your list, you know, to the T, to get you off track with God. And so that's what this person was for me. And um, that was another soul tie that was created. And then um, he ended up introducing me to something called VV is what it was called. And it was this substance that you put in a vape and you end up smoking it. You get the same effects as marijuana. You get high, but it won't show up on the drug test. And when he first told me about it, I was like... Get, get that stuff away from me. Like, I'm not going to do any of that. But, you know, we're always spending time with each other. We're always um, with each other on the weekends, and that's what he would use and bring. Once he started using it, it's like he didn't stop. And so I started to get curious. Before the military, I never got high. I never smoked weed, because I knew if I end up popping hot on a drug test before I leave, like, that's that's the worst thing that can happen. And I was too paranoid for all that. But since I was so depressed and so upset with my life and just not happy, I started to not really care. I started to just drink more. I started to use that stuff he was using called VV. I would use it a little bit and then I would not really feel anything. I would feel a little bit, but not too much. But there was one time specifically we were at his friend's house and we were all sitting there and him and his bros were just passing around this big vape. And then I just see them all start to look like zombies. And I'm just watching them and I'm like seeing them all start to laugh. They're basically getting high. And so I'm like, I want to try whatever they're doing. Like, I've tried it before, but I don't know why I'm never feeling anything. So I take this vape. I told them to pass it to me. I take it and I start hitting it back to back to back. And then I just start to feel like, all this all this shame come upon me, all this paranoia come upon me, and I'm looking this way, I'm looking that way, my vision's starting to collide, my heart's starting to race, and I'm like, what did I just do? I don't know what the heck this is. Like, did they just set me up? I don't know what I just did. I'm just starting to freeze up in my seat, and he's next to me, and I'm just frozen in my seat, and I'm just talking to God in my head. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry for whatever I just did. I know I wasn't supposed to do that, and now I just feel like, I can't even I can't even move right now and I said God just just sober me up whatever it is I'm sorry I won't do it again just please like I felt like I was going to die like that's how much my heart was racing and I knew God was real I knew he was just letting me know like you know I can take away your breath right now, the breath that you breathe right now, I can take it away. So I was just so paranoid. I was just, you know, crying out to him in my head. But then, you know, I was telling everyone around me, like, you know, I'm freaking out right now, whatever that stuff is, like, get it away from me. But then, you know, I start to sober, I start to sober up, I started to calm down. And guess what I did right after that? Hand me the vape again. So now that I know about this substance, now that, you know, with this guy using it, I start to use it more. And so every time him and his friends are going out i'm going out every time they're getting drunk I'm getting drunk i'm getting drunk every time they're using this substance, I'm using it. And so our relationship was not good at all. It was starting to get, you know, abusive, verbally, narcissistically, that stuff, the substances that I was using, such as the alcohol and this valerian stuff is what I would use to calm my thoughts. And it would actually make it worse. But I just wanted something to numb the pain, basically, the pain from my heartbreak from other relationships, the pain of, you know, not feeling good enough, the pain of feeling like my life is just, there's no purpose to it. It's always something boring. It's always something with me. And once I was fully done with that relationship, because I'm stubborn, you know, I would see him in the club, I would bug him, and I was trying to find somebody else. So more soul ties created with other guys, because I wanted to still feel that love and affection from somebody and try to find somebody else. And not knowing my worth, I didn't know how to hold myself as a woman of value at the time and look at myself through Christ's eyes. So I would just keep going to the next person. And I just ended up, you know, not feeling happy. Like, why can't somebody love me? Like I've been saying since middle school, right? And then next thing you know, I end up getting into this case in the military. They ended up finding out about this substance. There was people that told leadership, our sergeants, that me and my group of friends were smoking weed. We never smoked weed. We weren't high off. We weren't doing anything, but my friend had this party and we were using this vape with the valerian stuff. And so People wouldn't really know that it was what was in there because everyone in the military loved to smoke vapes. So if you just had a nicotine vape or whatever we were using, you couldn't tell the difference. So we were wondering why someone would, you know, say that we were smoking weed. There was no weed at the party and all that, but we started to get into um interrogations like we had the security forces which was the military police bringing us in and questioning us on what it was we were doing on that day around June and we just kept denying that we didn't smoke weed because we didn't but then they ended up getting evidence through other people that we were using something in our vapes so next thing you know Um, I was pulled into questioning randomly my sergeant calls me out of nowhere in the middle of June and she's like come to the dining facility right now what are you doing I was just like I'm going to sleep because my shift was at 4 in the morning and it was like 11pm right now and I'm thinking like what in the world is going on so I had this feeling that it was about this valerian stuff and so I had the vape and I remember I threw it out and I was just like I don't don't want to be caught with it because I feel like this questioning is going to be about that so I get into the security forces office they drive over there they take us there and I'm in I'm in the room now in a seat just like this but I'm in questioning for you know what I've been doing wrong in the military and they tell me you're in here for substance abuse and so I'm like what I'm in here for what I'm not using any substance you know because I'm thinking this is an essential oil and this is not that bad and I'm like how did they find out and they're like we know that you're a good person we know that you like to get people together and party and do all this stuff but we are here because you're abusing something. And I'm like trying to be in denial about it. I don't want to be a snitch. I don't want to tell on anybody. I don't want to tell this story on how it is. We got this stuff because they already said, um, are you aware of the substance called Delta eight? And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that's what that Valerian stuff was being labeled as. And so they were like, If you just have integrity, because that's a big thing in the Air Force is integrity. They're like, if you have integrity, your commander could end up, you know, looking at this whole situation and keeping you in the Air Force. Because I was asking them, am I going to get kicked out? Like, what's going on? Because it was a big deal. They even had me sign this paper that said um, apprehension arrest form. I thought I was going to get arrested, too, because they just had a group of airmen last year, the previous year, get sent home because of drugs as well. So I was asking them, am I going to go to jail? And they told us, uh, we don't know we're not the ones that make that decision. It's all up to your commander and everybody else. So during that time, I was just like, God, what am I going to do? Because I was just in my head asking him, what should I do? And I felt this push, just tell the truth. You know, you've already made it this far. You've been getting in trouble. You're not holding yourself as a good airman. Like the least you can do, the right thing you can do right now is tell the truth. So I just spilled everything. I just, you know, told them what we did that day and, you know, the stuff, that we were using and how I knew about it. I told them that it was through the relationship that I had, and I just didn't care at that moment if I was a snitch or not because at that point, it was just I had to do what I know God wanted me to do, and so that's what I did. I did hold myself accountable, though. I knew that all of this stuff that happened was because of my decisions. I was the one that brought it to my friends. I was the one that had that relationship where it was shown to me, and so I made sure that I was the one that held myself accountable, that this is because of me. And so it was actually funny because I got prophesied to before I left the military by my pastor that I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to be making decisions for people and people are going to be following me. And so that leadership that I had, I was using for the world. I was the one that organized the parties, that organized the times we would smoke this stuff, the times we would drink. And I saw how my leadership ended up not going the way that God wanted to use it for, it was in a way where, you know, everyone's now in trouble. So me and five other people all getting questioned. And this this interrogation and this um, questioning, this case, basically, it lasted for like June, July, August. We didn't hear anything back till August. So we didn't know if we were going to leave the military. We didn't know if we were going to stay. We didn't know if we were going to go to jail. We ended up getting told by the end of September, October 15th pack your stuff and get ready to get out of here because you're not going to be here anymore. And so I was thinking the whole time, like, I don't have to tell my parents anything. I, I have faith that I'm going to stay in. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm just going to keep proclaiming I'm going to stay in. But you know, when you abuse God's grace and mercy, you will get your chastisement. You will get your your consequence so you can learn your lesson. And so I didn't understand it at the time. I was just stuck in my head again, depressed, like, God, why me, why me, why me? So I had to, you know, be honest with my parents that I'm coming back home. I was scared that they might, you know, turn me away because of this, big thing happening. I didn't want to be a failure to them. But I was just really disappointed with myself that I was going through all this and I was feeling like a failure, feeling like a disappointment. I was so worried about my future because it's like I went to the military to get this free college, to get all these benefits, and now I'm going to have that taken away from me. What am I going to do with myself when I get home? I don't want to just have a job and work for somebody for the rest of my life. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I got sent home October 15th. They packed up my stuff, and then I got a plane ticket back home, and, you know, my my parents told me stuff happens in life, you know, this is the consequence of your actions, and at the end of the day, you can only point the finger back at yourself, because it was you that put yourself, it was your decisions that put yourself into this, but know and pray and have faith that God is going to bring you out of it, and at the time, it was hard for me to, you know, even listen to stuff about church and about having faith and stuff, because I'm like, I just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I have all these soul ties with different people. It's true that the demons that people have in them will be transferred to you when you have soul ties with them. That's why it's very powerful um, to to not get yourself in those entanglements because – It'll affect you. So, you know, I'm heartbroken from all those soul ties. I'm heartbroken at the fact that I'm letting everybody down. I told people before I left the military that I was going to make them proud, and my dad even told me, you know, people are watching you. You're an influence right now to people. People in Dover, Delaware know you, and they want to see you do good. Don't do anything to get you in trouble. And I remember he told me that multiple times, and I said, okay, okay, I won't. I won't get in trouble. And then here I am, and I'm in trouble. I'm back home, and I was in trouble the whole time I was in. So it's just all this disappointment was over me, all this depression. And I'm just like, God, what is it that you want me to do? And so I was still still going through it. You know, the year is about to end. It's October, November, December. I had a full time job somewhere that I didn't like. And I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to go to school. But at this point, I'm just going through it. I was trying to keep Um, in, In contact with somebody, I did have a soul tie with the last person that I was talking to out in Alaska, and then that same person ended up ghosting me, and so I was at this point again where I'm just isolated all over in the beginning, just like when I first got to Alaska, I'm isolated, and I had the wisdom, and I understood that when God isolates you, it's so that you can only depend on Him, but it was, you know, it's so hard to go through that and to feel alone and stuff and to have nobody understand, but I was just feeling like, you know what, God, you must really want me to just lean on you because because of the fact that I'm isolated again. So I told God, I was like, I'm going to put my all into you at this point. And, you know, I started going back to church and my pastors um, prophesied to me. I remember it was the beginning of 2022 when I told God, I just, I just want to do what you want me to do. And my pastor told me, When you worship God, that's what's going to bring you out of your storm. And they knew about me singing when I was younger, and they were the ones pushing me to sing when I was younger to worship the Lord, and I would do it. I would do it wholeheartedly, and I would get the Holy Spirit touch on me, and I would just cry knowing that God is good when I was younger. And he told me, you're going to go back to your childlike faith. You're going to see God like never before from the ages 19 through 21, and you're going to worship the Lord. And if you worship him wholeheartedly just like you used to – He's going to take care of three areas of your life. And he was just so on point. I was worrying about, you know, my looks. I was insecure again. And he said that God's going to take care of that. He told me he was going to take care of my career. He's going to take care of, you know, the thought of who am I going to be with one day. And... I believed it. I received it. I had faith. And so I actually started to read my word for the first time. I started to read my Bible like I never had before. I used to remember I would read my Bible, I would read Genesis, and then I'd get bored, close it, and then, you know, say I'm going to read it another time, and never did. But I ended up going on YouTube and hearing about people's testimonies. And there was this guy who had a YouTube channel, and he talked about how to get close to God. And he said, this book changed my life. It was a book that helped you read the Bible. It's this book called um, The Bible Reading CAP by Lee Cobble, and it's a 365 plan that helps you read the Bible in one year. I remember I ordered it. The Holy Spirit was telling me to order it, so I did and I used that book to read throughout the whole Testament the Old Testament and I still haven't finished the whole Bible, but I've read so much of it like I've never had before and it helped me to understand who God really is, how Jesus did his miracles and how he was so obedient to his father um, the whole purpose of him coming to this earth to save us for our sins and I started to understand God more in a way that I never had before because I was truly seeking him and I ended up being a part of of the praise and worship team at my home church I was kind of iffy about it because I was like I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to even be in front of people these people know that I you know got kicked out the military I don't want to be singing to God in front of everybody and they're looking up like what is she doing their the whole time no one's even thinking that you are worthy to do what God tells you to do and I just said you know what? I'm not going to believe that lie and I ended up going up and just worshiping the Lord and I started to feel that peace and joy that I never had before and when you're obedient to the Lord, that's one of your blessings that you will receive is peace and joy that the world cannot give you. And so there was a revival going on last year in March, 2021, no, 2022, my bad. And um, this prophet was coming. His name was Tracy Cook. And So I had already gotten lots of prophetic words from my pastor, which I'm so grateful for. But this guy, he could know your name without even knowing you. And so I went to this revival, and I made sure I was there every day because I just wanted to feel the presence of the Lord. Like I was just hungry for God. And so... I just believed and received that I was going to get a word, too. Maybe he'll call out my name and not even know me. And I remember when he was there in December, I was not really um, fully into it with God. I wasn't hungry yet, but my mom told me she got a word from him, and she he called her out saying, do you um, have a letter in your name named T? I see a letter T, and her name is Teresa. He's never met her before or anything. So it was little stuff like that that made me feel like, okay, God is definitely real, you know? And so... I ended up going, and he told me to come up front, and he put his hands on me, and the Holy Spirit just fell upon me. I started shaking. The fire of God was on me, and he told me, "Um, you've been set aside not to be picked on, but to be picked out. You're going to be set apart. You're going to be a prophet. You're going to be a psalmist. You're going to write poetry. You're going to help so many people in your generation, and I just remember from that day is when I fully just felt like this surrender, this full surrender, like, God, I only want to do what you want me to do. And I just knew from that day that I had this big purpose. Something was just telling me you have this big purpose, you know, there's gonna be a light at the end of the tunnel and all I have to do is just keep going. And it was hard because I saw how some people were leaving my life that were my friend. And whole time they weren't because I started to get closer to God and not do the things that I used to. Now it's, oh, you think you're better than everybody else because you're close to God. You think you're this and that because you're you're having this relationship with him when it was just me changing. And sometimes people can take your change as you thinking that you're better than everybody the whole time. It's not, it's just, you don't tolerate what you used to before. And so it was hard because nobody understood me. So I prayed to God and I was like, God, just give me one friend that can understand this walk with you and can, you know, be, be a woman that understands my testimony and the things that I went through and this, this calling that I have, you know? And so on that same day that I was at the revival and got prayed over, there was this girl and she was sitting at the back and I just, I had this feeling that, you know, she could be my friend. And so I had this plan after I'm done praise and worship, I'm going to sit next to her. And so I sat next to her and right when I was about to introduce myself and stuff, she gets pulled by the prophet to come up and to get a word from him and so he laid his hands on her and everything that he was telling her I felt in my spirit like everything that she was going through the suicidal thoughts the feeling of being disappointed feeling like nobody's there for you and not having any friends and he told her God's gonna give you a different group of friends that you've never had before and so when she sat back down she was crying I was tearing up because I felt her her prophetic word too as well I just felt like the Holy Spirit at the time I was like I don't know if it's just my gut feeling or whatever, It's just something kept telling me, talk to her, talk to her, talk to her. And so I, I ended up talking to her and introducing myself. And I was like, you know, I know it's hard to walk this walk with Christ and, you know, be a female at a young age, because I had a feeling she was around the same age, and she was, she's two years older than me, we're in our 20s. And I just said, like, let's just keep in contact and, you know, see what God does within our connection or whatever. And so we ended up talking throughout 2022, and she's my best friend. God answered my prayer of having somebody that understands me so quickly, and then I was worried about my career. God ended up showing me, you know, my love for makeup, hair, um, cosmetics, um, self-care. I used to love doing that kind of stuff when I was little, looking up YouTube tutorials on YouTube, you know, how to how to um do nails, how to do makeup, how to do hair. And he told me in a dream, not told me, but I just had this vision. I was doing people's hair all at once. And I had this, um you know, this vision of myself doing hair as a career. But I, I had the doubts, too, because the enemy likes to come in and mess up his plans that God has for you. And I just had this doubt, like, I can't do other people's hair. I've never done it before. But I know that that's what God wanted me to do because I started to feel like you can— You know do people's hair You can end up praying over them As you do their hair they don't have to know it but you can also end up changing their life because when people get their hair done, it's a vulnerable state. They end up sharing things with you that they don't share with anybody else. And I just started to find my purpose. And God was telling me to do that, but I'm like, how am I going to go to school? The next thing you know, my dad ended up giving me the opportunity to go to school through his, you know, time in the service. I was able to go to school through him. He said one day out of nowhere after I had been praying to God, you know, how am I going to do it? He was like, you know. I have this benefit that you can go to school because I served, and you pick something you love to do, and just do it. So I told him my idea, and he said, okay, go find a cosmetology school and go do what you want to do. And so he took care of that. The last thing that um, was prophesied to me was, who am I going to be with one day? I'm not married yet. (laughs) Not yet, but God has shown me things, and he showed me that I'm going to be a wife, I'm going to be a mother one day. And all the things that I was worried about, he ended up showing me those things in 2022, when I fully seek the Lord, he showed me that it says it in the Bible, when you seek first the kingdom of God, all else will be added unto you. And God really changed my life throughout last year because I was going through all this heartbreak. I was going through all this pain, all this, you know, this struggle and stuff. And as I went through that, I never thought that I would be able to, you know, feel the presence of the Lord and feel his love again. And so I remember, it's hitting me, it's hitting me. I remember my pastor, um, he told me when I was, you know, really heartbroken too, hitting depressed, he was like, God's telling me to tell you to run back to your first love. And my first love is Jesus. And um you know, I loved him when I was growing up. I knew who he was and I felt his love as a child and he told me to run back to him and I did. And I started to feel his love more and more every day throughout 2022. It's like I started to see things differently. My desires started to change. And I never, I never knew how I was going to change. I knew it was going to be through God, but I just never knew how I could do it alone. And it's through Jesus. That's who helped me to get to this point and i just didn't desire to have sex anymore and make connections with people all these soul ties that i had i didn't want to do that anymore it kept hurting me and i just you know i remember the idea of being abstinent till marriage was crazy to me but i have been abstinent for two years i I just want what god has for me i want my husband (laughs) i want the one that god wants me to have a purpose with and i will not you know let myself go for anything anymore when it comes to that, and I thank God for showing me his love, for showing me his presence, for showing up even in my dreams. I've seen Jesus in my dreams, and he didn't have to visit me in my dreams, and whenever I seen him, it was just this big white light. I remember my first dream with him. We were just dancing in a field, and I just knew it was him because I woke up just crying, and I just knew that this big white light was him dancing with me in this green field, and then I remember I had this dream I was, um like, I was high up, I think I was in heaven, I guess, but it was just, like, I don't know how to describe it. i just seen this bright white light, and I was, you know, feet high. I was really high up in the sky, basically, and I seen little white lights going into this big white light, and I know that, that you know, it was like a portal of people going in, and I knew that that bright white light to my left was Jesus, and we were watching souls go in, and I knew that that dream meant, you know, that my life has souls behind it that my testimony has souls behind it. Me sharing this could help somebody get saved. And I knew that dream was going to come to pass. And now I see my life as a life that, and this goes for everybody. Our life is not our own. We have a will that God wants us to accomplish. We have a purpose that God has planted into us. And it's up to you to tap into it because we all have free will. We all have free will. We all have the choice to follow God. We all have the choice to follow the devil's path. There's a path for God. There's a path that the devil wants you to be on. And I was on that path for a little bit. And it did nothing but destroy me. It did nothing but break my heart. It did Mm -hmm. nothing but make me feel the the things that the devil wanted me to feel, the failure, the disappointment, all that stuff is what that path led to. But once I started focusing on God and walking down that narrow path, because it says that it's going to be hard, following God isn't easy. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. And I know that everyone that follows the Lord knows that but it's worth it because he answered every single prayer that I had. He answered it so fast for me. And I just, you know, I I look back and I'm like, I should have been doing that the whole time, but it's okay because the darkness that we go through, the testimony that we have can help somebody that went through the same thing. And I know that I've, you know, already done my work with, you know, posting on YouTube, posting on TikTok. I have a social media platform that I know one day will bring so many people to the Lord, and it already has little by little. I have friends that I used to be in the military with contacting me, telling me, you know, your relationship with God is inspiring. It's encouraging me to read my Bible. It's encouraging me to get close to God. And people will ask me how to do it. People will ask me how I did it. And I just look back, and I'm just so grateful for even the setback that I went through, the times where I just cried out to God, not understanding who he was, but I knew he was there for me because it was the end of 2022 and it's crazy that I ended up having this revelation afterwards It's because you can be in denial for so long with yourself and as i started to heal i started to see things differently and so one of the things i want to mention is the stuff that i was using in the military that valerian vape thing i was um going through paperwork that i got throughout the military when it came to that case and um they took this stuff to um, a lab and they tested it on what it was and so it was this weird scientific name I remember I avoided looking up that name for a while because I was just like it might not be the stuff that I thought it was it might not be this little plant oil that I thought it was and so it was December of last year and I looked it up and it was actually a mixture of like K2 and spice like that stuff can kill you yeah and so when I found that out I just started crying to God again. His grace and His mercy was on me that whole time. You know, He knows the desires of your heart. He let me do whatever, but He was protecting me the whole time that I was there, and He didn't have to do that. He could have taken my breath that time that I used it too much. He could have taken my breath the multiple times that I got too high and too drunk at the same time, but He didn't because of this moment right here to testify that Jesus is the only way you can have peace. He is the only way that you can have joy. He is the only way that you can, you know, tap into the purpose that you have. And I just thank God for protecting me, for the ministering angels that were upon me when I was doing those things in the world. And I just don't have any desire to smoke anymore. I don't have a desire to get drunk. I don't have a desire to numb my pain with those things. If I am in pain, if I am going through things, because I still go through it, you know, I still go through it when it comes to um, how I see myself sometimes or, you know, going through a dark, dark time is um, hard. It it will still happen when you walk with God. But when I go through that, I just cry out to him. I just pray to him. I don't go to those things that make me feel like how I used to. And like I said, you know, I'm just waiting on who God has for me. All those things in my mind that used to be of the world has now shifted into what God wants me to see things as. The way I even value myself, I don't value myself the way that I used to with pride and ego and the way that I look, the way that I would show off my body and, you know, wear revealing clothing. God has showed me modesty is is value and modesty is you showing that you are worth it, you know, in his eyes, because he has called us to be fearfully, and wonderfully made. That's how he created us. And God has shown me that that's what I am. And I don't need male validation. I'll, I just need Jesus's validation. I just right. want to do what he has called me to do. And so... That is how I ended up getting close to God, and there's still more to come. This is just the beginning. He, right. like I said, uh, I got prophesied that I'm going to be a prophet, and so at the end of 2022, he ended up showing me that I can prophesy. It's just it says it. I believe it's in First Corinthians that our thoughts, when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, it's God's thoughts. I used to be so amazed at how people prophesy, and there's still more for me to learn for sure. Yeah. But you know, it's just getting into that secret place with the Lord, and getting those downloads from him. And when you think something, it's not your own thought, it's God, you know? And so I ended up figuring out that I can do that. My first prophetic word that I practiced on was to my pastor, and I prophesied. I said, I see this big mountain. I see this the word move. And I was really nervous to give that to him because this is the same pastor that has prophesied over me my whole life. And so next thing you know, months later, that prophecy ends up coming true and he got words from the lord that he's to move to another state and so that's when i realized i can't prophesy and now i'm actually going to a church and i'm the worship leader i tapped into my hobbies of playing the piano again and singing and um it was it was hard at first to do that i was nervous i was having my doubts like i don't think i can do this and i could have had the choice to stray away but people have been blessed through my worship because worship is also ministry